the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Tammy. Tammy! <laughs> welcome back to the show! Hi. We are so happy to hear your wonderfully Scottish voice <laughs> back on Beef Up. Uh, last time you were with us, we talked Balto and Bleach. Yes, we did. The two bees. The two bees, but they were badass bees is what they were. <laughs> and so uh, we've got another anime property in the house tonight, but um, it's a different kind of show. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself some more. You know, remind us about your uh, your YouTube channel, your Instagram, anything you want to promote. Tell everybody out there why you're awesome. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, well, I am Scottish. I go by We Scottish Lass on uh, YouTube and Instagram and in on Twitter I think it's Moscow Moon I go by which is just a nickname but you'll find all my socials on my YouTube channel and I just do, do videos about Scotland you know like Scottish accents and words and rants and that kind of thing. Yep now I was uh, checking out some more of your recent videos because John and I I believe are both subscribers and yeah you were ranking uh, your, your favorite uh, UK fast food joints <laughs> and I liked that. I mean I'm a me and John are fans of fast food, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a podcast medium, so nobody can see us, but we're, we're big boys. So. We're American. You can just assume we're fans of fast food. Yeah. <laughs> so true. That old man. Um, but today, we have got not really an episode that Tammy picked out. It's almost an anti-John episode that we have got for everyone. This is actually kind of <laughs> becoming our Halloween episode, but ultimately, uh, there are two properties that John didn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and so I needed somebody on my side who I who would actually talk this stuff with me because otherwise, honestly, I think the episode would be me talking and John would be, uh huh, yeah, sure, Adam, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> that, that's about it. Because if there's two things I remember that John does not care for, it's the Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> and Dragon Ball Z, and those are two things I adore. Now I. I want to say first, I was on record not saying that I didn't like Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that I thought it was overrated. Yeah, you said the oh. most overrated movie of all time. You're right. I did say it was the most overrated movie of all time. <laughs> so, And we'll see if time proved me right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see about Tammy, her thoughts on, um, you know, those properties, and I'm going to be curious, you know, which side of the fence. You know, we're, we're kind of... We're battling for your affection right now. You know, is it, <laughs> are you going to be more on? Look, when it when it comes to Dragon Ball Z, I think when we were talking about Bleach and Bottle in our Bleach and Bottle episode, I think you'd brought up somebody brought up Dragon Ball Z, and I'd say you're not allowed to record that podcast yeah. without me. Like that episode, I have to come back for. Dragon Ball Z yep. was like my childhood growing up. So, exactly. um, yeah, no, I'm very thrilled for that. Rocky Horror, I got into when I was a bit older actually. I watched that for the first time maybe about ten years ago. Um, for anybody like listening to this, I'm, I'm 30 now, so it gives you a rough age range as to what age I was when I watched it. Um, so I didn't; it wasn't like something from my childhood, childhood. But I had a lot of respect for it. I thought it was very, very strange. And then I got to rewatch it last night, obviously in preparation mm -hmm. for this. Um, which, by the way, it's on Disney Plus just now. For anybody in the UK, it's free on Disney Plus if you want to watch it. But yeah, I got to watch it again, and I was, uh -huh. uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's good. It's good. Disney Plus in the UK is better than Disney Plus here because I don't think it's on our Disney Plus. No, is but it it's not? on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Oh. It's on Hulu. Okay, there we go. Which is owned by Disney, so that makes, makes <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
So this is what would be a great time to plug a VPN. <laughs> yes, it would be. If, NordVPN. You, you, you honestly sponsor every freaking YouTube video I've ever seen and, and all these podcasts. NordVPN. I'm calling Express, you out. Sponsor us. Yeah, or ExpressVPN. Take one or the other. Whichever one. Go for it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, I, I can't remember if I mentioned we're going to recast Rocky Horror Picture Show as well. Um, I'm excited about all of these properties and, and talking about this stuff. But uh, first, John, you got to take our minds back to 1975. All right. So the movie was released on September 26th, 1975. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was Fame by David Bowie. Nothing's there forever. That's something. Blah, no, blah, blah, wrong, blah, wrong fame, fame, Adam. Wrong fame. Huh? Oh, wrong that's fame. a different fame? Oh. Yes. Oh, you said David Bowie. I said David Bowie. That, oh, that's yes. a good one, too. That's a good fame, too. <laughs> too many songs with the same names now. <laughs> I know. Topping the Nielsen ratings uh, was a classic 70s sitcom called All in the Family. Wasn't that the one where they, they always laughed about domestic abuse? Yes, and racism and all yes. kinds of... I mean, it, <laughs> Hilarious! It, it, well, they addressed it. It, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was known for addressing a lot of issues. Okay. Uh, the uh, New York Times bestseller was a book called Ragtime by E.L. Doctorow, which was turned into a movie uh, in, yeah. sometime in the 80s and I think was nominated for a good number of Oscars. I'm, I'm dead certain I had to read that book, Ragtime, um, in school at one point. But mm. I know I never read it. I, I was terrible. <laughs> I always just spark noted it or something like that, or did like the uh, the, the the condensed versions. I was terrible. The only thing I remember about the movie is that Brad Dourif was in it. And who's that? Uh, he was uh, he was uh, Wormtongue in the Lord of the Rings movies, and most famously, oh, okay. he was the voice of Chucky in the Chucky movies. I thought okay. you were going to see the voice of Chucky in Rugrats. I was about to get very excited there, and then you just destroyed it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, wrong Chucky. Atari. In 1975, released the home version of Pong, uh, which you could only get at Sears. Oh, wow. Exclusive. <laughs> Sears used to be like the big store in the U.S. That's where you could get everything. Mm-hmm. Now it's Walmart. Yep. Uh, and a f- weird little fun fact, uh, this was the year of the very first DC-Marvel collaboration uh, that they did for a comic book that was called The Marvelous Wizard of Oz, and it was just a comic book version of The Wizard of Oz. I don't know why they needed to team up for that, but apparently they did, and that was the first one. That is lame. It was very lame. I was very disappointed when I saw that. And that was 1975. Okay, I uh, feel sufficiently brought back. Um, But you know what else brings me back, John? A sweet t-shirt. And this episode of the Blast from Our Past, I mean, terrible segue, I'm sorry, but this episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is sponsored. I've heard worse segues. Yeah, it's sponsored by 80stees.com. So we are working in collaboration with them. If you guys go to 80stees.com and use the promo code BFOP, that's B-F-O-P, you'll get 30% off of your entire order. Uh, Make sure you do. Like, I've got a couple of their shirts, and they are fantastic quality and they have literally like some of the best graphics um and and different properties nostalgic properties out there i've seen on any internet tv shirt site so make sure you check out 80s if you go over to instagram you can see a sweet picture of adam and his tank top at the gym 
<laughs> I did. I got a tank top because it's a. I got a Seinfeld Mandelbaum Jim tank top because I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Hashtag plug for Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast <laughs> that I also run. And you guys, yes, we'll see a sweet, sweet tea from from me. So, and you can too. You too can get a sweet ass Mandelbaum tank top to work out of the gym. Uh, make sure you use promo code BFOP. How about that, John? Bravo, Adam. Bravo. Yes. All right. Well, you know what? Is there something I always uh, give a good bravo to? It's Rocky Horror Picture Show. So let's talk that stuff. All right. Rocky Horror Picture Show, 1975, directed by Jim Sharman. He doesn't have much else that he directed worth talking about. Um, he also helped write this one, along with Richard O'Brien, who wrote the original stage play back in 73 and also plays Riff Raff in the movie. The cinematography was done by Peter Sushinsky, um, who did some more recent movies. He did some awesome ones, Man in the Iron Mask, Mars Attacks, that he also uh, was a cinematography, cinematographer for. But on top of that, Empire Strikes Back. Huh. A little little Star Wars movie, maybe the best Star Wars movie for a lot of people. So uh, not one a, many people know then, just a small, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah tiny. Yeah. L- little indie film. <laughs> a lot of people don't associate quality with Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think one of the things that, you know, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it, sure, let's talk it now, is the, the movie got cult f- like fame, I think from a lot of people who, you know, they don't think it's a particularly great film. But they love the insanity, and they'll, the midnight showings is really what became a huge part of Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I want to first talk, Tammy. I want to mention what was the what was your first introduction, or how do you how were you brought to Rocky Horror Picture Show, and have you done any of the midnight showings? So the Rocky Horror Picture Show for me was actually it was my neighbor um, Kaylee, who I went to school with. She was in the year below me. She was the one who who mentioned it because at that time in my life me and my mum would go and see a new uh, musical every single year for my birthday and she was like oh so you really really like musicals have you watched a Rocky Horror and I was like never even really heard of it and she was like well you have to watch it so she went round to her house picked up the DVD brought it back and we sat and we watched it in the in the living room it, it, at first I was like I remember thinking like, I, I didn't really know how to feel about it like I didn't I didn't know how to feel about it as a, as a production I was just kind of like wow that was really shit. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. And then it wasn't until like I, I spoke to my mum and I'd said to my mum, "Oh, I've I've seen this now," and she's like, "Oh my god! Like I grew up with that. It is amazing. Like my mum loves it. She's a hardcore Rocky Horror fan." And I didn't know that at the time. And then I was like, "Well, why have you never taken me a musical for it?" She was like, "Well, I didn't really think it was appropriate, but I suppose you're older now." So, so the next time they came into town, she took me to the Edinburgh Playhouse to see it live. And I have never had an experience like that, like going to see something like the Rocky Horror in person because everybody was dressed up. All the men had their stockings on, corsets, like basques, like ev- everything, all the stuff, all the fluff, all the makeup, everything. And then throughout the whole thing, people were shouting out these one-liners and, and things from the audience to, to the production. And then we'd done the time warp, everybody was up dancing for it. I've never seen a musical like it, ever. And it was for that reason that I fell in love with it, was going to see it live. And then after that, I developed a new appreciation for the actual DVD movie release. Uh, John, what is, you know, what were your memories from Rocky Horror when you were younger? Uh, Basically none. I was, I mean, I was, it was hard not to be aware of it 
It was very much part of the cultural zeitgeist and still is. Uh, believe it or not, yes, or yesterday, two days ago, whenever I watched it, that was the first time I'd ever watched it all the way through in one sitting. <laughs> you couldn't get through it before that? <laughs> well, I only ever saw, like, I never went to go rent it. I would just catch mm. it on, like, TV or, like, maybe HBO, but I would only catch, like, parts of it. And so I kind of had mostly seen the whole thing, just never all at once. Okay. And for me, um, I I saw it either on TV first or somebody somebody showed it to me like on the on DVD or something like that um, or VHS or something. And so I really enjoy. I like the weird. You know, I think that some of the stuff things that don't make sense and the, kind of like the weird, ridiculous stuff. Like I don't know, even throwing like a Big Lebowski, which doesn't make any sense. That movie is just insane. I get kind of similar ridiculous vibes about it. And so I loved that in high school. Loved the Big Lebowski, and I someone showed me Rocky Horror. Freaking loved it. And I did go, it was in college, I went to one one of the midnight showings. So I've only been to the one because I didn't enjoy the midnight showing. Oh. Now, so for Tammy, I understand, like, it can bring, it brought you into the fold. For me, I was like, shut up, I want to watch the movie. <laughs> stop, stop squirting me with water. Stop <laughs> crumpling up your newspapers. Shut up, I love this movie and I just want to watch it. <laughs> so I fell in love with, with the theatrics and the quirkiness of the film before midnight the midnight showing and so i'm i probably for me just watching it on my own is my I, my preferred method i kind of tend to come back to this movie i would say at least every two years but it's probably more like a once a year watch i'll get an itch to to just put it on and enjoy yeah and so i i, I enjoy the just by myself stuff but now there are other movies that i adore like the um, interaction quality. There's a movie here that we show called The Room in the U.S. every now and then, um, which is John Last because it is my thing. Yes, it is. Like I would go and I would be that guy. I would dress up. I would be the one who is leading the entire theater with like these, you know, crazy one-liners and stuff like that. And that's because that movie, I was introduced introduced to it in that fashion. And so that's how I kind of fell in love. Very similar to the Rocky Horror style, but um, just kind of how it happened to be. So, Tammy, have you ever seen The Room? No, I've not. Don't. Okay. No. It's, <laughs> now, if you're in, and, and particularly, do not watch it as a movie Don't, on its own. You can't take it seriously. Okay. It's, if you th- if you were younger and you saw Rocky Horror and thought that was oh this is a bad movie, The Room is 100 percent an atrocious film. Like Rocky Horror has quality to it. There is zero quality to The Room. It's not good unless you're making fun of it in a entire theater theater with other people making fun of it. Oh, so. hi, Mark. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, if you've heard the oh, hi, Mark, that is that is from the room. But you're looking at us blankly, so obviously the room didn't <laughs> cross <laughs> the sea too much. It's okay. That's okay. It's. Uh, I think it is much more of an, an American thing. So let's get into the cast. Frankenfurter. The amazing Tim Curry. Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. One of our, I would say, premier like voice actors and just quirky actors. You know, obviously, uh, John, we talked about him when we talked the movie Fern Gully. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the smoke monster on that. But we all, I think, adore him uh, in Clue. He's just so good in that. He was uh, in Legend and It playing it. some of these crazy, you know, characters. Janet, damn it, Janet, uh, is played by Susan Sarandon. Fantastic actress, Thelma and Louise, Bull Durham, stepmom, tons of stuff. I think, you know, when I'm younger, when I was younger, I didn't realize, holy crap, Susan Sarandon, a real actress is in this, obviously, <laughs> on top of Tim Curry. Uh, Brad is played by Barry Bostwick. 
He has done tons of small parts, but um, I actually remember him besides this, but actually maybe more so besides this. I remember him from Spin City. Yeah. Riff Raff is played by Richard O'Brien. As we mentioned, he wrote and created Rocky Horror. Uh, he also did a, one of the main, not the main voices of Phineas and Ferb, but he was like a, he was on the show for a bunch of episodes. Um, so he did a voice on Phineas and Ferb. And then he was also in Dark City, uh, which was done by the same guy who did Blade Runner, I think, or it has a lot of Blade Runner vibes. I'm not a big fan of Dark City, but some people adore it. So wanted to throw that out there. Magenta is played by Patricia Quinn. Um, she had some credits here. The only other thing that I kind of really recognized was um, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Oh, so okay. she was in that. It was her lips at the beginning of Rocky Horror as well, wasn't it? It is 100% her lips. So they actually used like three different... So there were lips on like the picture and like the DVD cover or, or that kind of stuff. Those are a different lip model's lips. Uh, and then there was like a music video or something else that was told to someone totally different. But in the actual movie, it is uh, Patricia Quinn's lips that we see at the, at the opener. Columbia is played by Nell Campbell. She didn't really do much else that I recognized. Uh, Dr. Everett Scott... Uh, was played by Jonathan Adams, who looked to have done quite a bit of British shows and British productions, but I didn't recognize them. Them, they didn't come over to the U.S. Rocky was played by Peter Hinwood. Nothing else, <laughs> like literally nothing else. He was in four things total, uh, and that was it. I guess he didn't get the acting bug, and you could tell he's not the best actor in this movie. <laughs> but, okay. but he looks good. I'm glad he's you certain... said that because I did. I was thinking that last night. <laughs> yeah, but but he's you know. He looked good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was not hired for his acting ability. Yeah, true. Very true. Eddie is played by Meatloaf, the fantastic rock god. Uh, a lot of people know him, obviously, from his music career, Bad Out of Hell, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but also Meatloaf. Uh, also Meatloaf, <laughs> no. Also uh, Fight Club. If you guys know him in Fight Club, he's great. And then I just want to mention the criminologist kind of slash narrator is played by Charles Gray, who I think a lot of people would recognize as Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever, the James Bond movie. Now, Tammy, I want to ask you a question. Go for it. Have you ever actually had meatloaf? No. Okay. That's a shame. We've, I've had haggis. Is that not very similar? <laughs> uh, not at all. Well, no, it's a little similar. I mean, it's a little similar in in form in that it's basically just like a bunch of meat and stuff mushed together. Yeah, what, and you yeah put, what is it? Yeah, you put breadcrumbs in meatloaf, but like uh, haggis will have oats and stuff in it, right? Yeah, right, yeah. but I mean, I mean, meatloaf is basically just like hamburger formed into the, literally it's put into a loaf pan. And then you oh, just cool. slice it. So, so it's, it's very similar then to our, we do square sausage in Scotland. This isn't even an English thing. This is like a Scottish, just a pure Scottish thing. We do square mm-hmm. sausage, which is where you take your, your your sausage meat. And instead of putting it into links, which are the, the long right. thin ones that you mm-hmm. know, we put it into like a meatloaf type tin, like an a, a loaf yeah. tin. And then we just slice it up. And that's your square sausage. Yeah, it's basically like that. Yeah. Just yeah, with exactly. just with with uh, uh, minced beef. Yeah, exactly. You're using ground beef instead of yeah. sausage meat. See, now I want to try that sausage thing because that sounds great. Yes, I'll have to try sounds... that, and I'll have to try meatloaf. We'll have to exchange. Have to. <laughs> I will. I will send you a recipe. <laughs> it was so good. I remember when we were John and I. We were in uh, Salisbury because we were visiting the uh, Stonehenge. We were all like, "Oh, we got to get a Salisbury steak," just as a, as a joke. But <laughs> Salisbury steak is an American thing. It is not a UK thing. And so <laughs> we were like, "What the hell? We're in Salisbury." Didn't turn out that way. All right. Anyway, did y'all know that there's a sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show? I did not. No, is there? No, I knew that they did. They not remake it in, in like uh, 2016. 
Yes, they did. They yes. did remake it in 2016. But in 1981, Richard O'Brien and also Jim Sharman made another movie called Shock Treatment. Uh, I never saw it. It didn't look very interesting or good. And honestly, I tried to stay away from it because the magic of Rocky Horror is a single use thing. It is not a franchise to me. But they actually kind of, it's not technically an outright sequel, but it features several of the same characters, including Brad and Janet in the next. Now, granted, it's different actors. Um, and then the same actors, like all the uh, alien actors, the Transylvanians, uh, of the, like, besides Tim Curry are in it again, but as different characters. So it's it's kind of a funky thing where it's not technically a sequel, but it if you have Brad and Janet and continuing their story, it's to me that's a sequel. Yeah. So that's interesting. But, Did not know that. I wanted, maybe yeah. need to look that one up. I'm I'm eventually gonna watch it. It yeah. might be something that you can enjoy separate. Like for example, like Greece is is yeah. you've got Greece one which is just a, you know, it's a masterpiece. You don't touch it, you don't breathe near it. But then they had Grease 2, which obviously a lot of people compare, but actually on its own is actually a pretty decent film. And, and arguably some of the soundtrack, I think, is slightly better. I'm probably going to get a lot Ooh. of hate for that. But I would say some of the songs are slightly better than Grease 1. No, I remember seeing Grease 2 on TV. It's the Michelle Pfeiffer one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. And you're right. They're, isn't like Frenchie the only one who goes continue from 1 and 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, her, yeah. yeah. So, Okay. All right, well, let's get into Rocky Horror, and we're going to start off with those iconic lips. Yes, as uh, Tammy already mentioned, they are Patricia Quinn's lips, and she's giving us the song Science Fiction to set up the movie. could not take my eyes off the discoloration on her teeth they were they were not bad john they were a little bad <laughs> oh my god it was a little bad i did not even notice uh, but that's because i'm british though we have this stereotype of british teeth being like this the worst teeth well, in the planet. Yeah, i'm the, just so used to it <laughs> it's not even like the teeth were crooked or anything it, there was just like a discoloration on there like oh she's a smoker um, maybe that's <laughs> i think most people were back in the days so weren't that's they that's fair and just, yeah, just kind of looking at Magenta, definitely, definitely a smoker type of person. Yeah, I can see that you're in today's <laughs> film, they would have those things be perfectly everything, you know, symmetrical, uh, the most brightest pearl white ever. Uh, but no, there's just a little bit more real <laughs> back in 75. I, I like it. It makes them, makes them more relatable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we get those opening credits, and then we get to a wedding scene. It's finishing up. We meet Brad and Janet. Janet gets the bouquet. They are just such a wholesome little, like, um, American Northeast couple to me. You know, they're <laughs> just like that idyllic, just good little kind of preppy uh, middle class, upper middle class kids. You know, that kind of thing. And Brad starts uh, talking to Janet. You know, he's got all these things. This just went to this wedding. She caught the bouquet. And then he sings, Damn it, Janet, I love you. I have one thing to say, and that's, Damn it, Janet, I love you. Here's the ring to prove that I'm no joker. There's three ways that love. 
enjoy these songs i mean i'm a musical fan myself now um now i know john likes musicals as well mm-hmm. uh we're all musical fans it sounds like here but tammy so you were a musical you're every birthday it was a musical mm-hmm. thing for you yeah so yeah we'll have to see kind of like overall how some of these songs stand up but like this one i i have a problem seeing someone named janet and not going damn it janet like <laughs> it's just they they go hand in hand to me uh, and it's kind of fun in the background. We get these weird-ass church people uh, who are obviously <laughs> played by the same people, by Riff Raff Magenta or whatever. And yeah, Brad and Janet end up getting engaged. It's so. the whole, uh, like, that whole sequence is just hilarious to me because they're like, they start off, like, talking about them wanting to start this new chapter in their lives in the middle mm-hmm. of a cemetery. And then it's like, as they go back into the church, all the flowers are getting turned around from like colorful wedding bouquets to like dark and, and it's like the relationship has ended before it's even begun. Like that kind of sentimentality I was getting from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. The contrast was very funny. Very funny. They're bringing in like the coffin and everything in the background. Hey, yeah. They're, they're setting up a funeral <laughs> yeah. and I like that. You know what? You're right. That's a lot of uh, symbolism. And just kind of like, you know, they're subliminally putting in your head like, okay, opening up with a wedding, you know, that's kind of like something new, a new chapter. And exactly just as they're singing about it. And then we're getting all these dark imagery behind it. So it's like they're doomed. Their relationship is doomed seeing that behind it. So I did like the uh, I did like the American Gothic reference. Yeah, the uh, riffraff and I think it was Magenta. They kind of they looked a lot like it. Yeah. just kind of standing there. Yeah. Yeah, that so. was like the f- the famous painting, isn't it? The two yeah. farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, American Gothic. Very, v- I, I didn't know the name of it, actually. I knew it was like an American thing, but yeah, that's quite cool. Um, but yeah. I, I also found out from uh, Googling yesterday that the original musical was called They Came From Denton High, and then they changed the name to uh, the Rocky Horror later when they started talking Ooh. about putting it broader further out there but Denton is the name in the billboard in the background as well and then of course that's what he's got in his his jacket too is the name Mm. of Denton High so they've got little references there but that was the original name but obviously they decided to change it were they supposed to be high school kids I don't know I think it's just where they came from I think it's maybe just like that same it's maybe trying to tell you that they're just kind of out of high school they're maybe not long out of high school okay all right that's very cool uh, we then meet the criminologist, and I like his interstitials. They're nice little, I don't know, creative ways for the filmmakers to just get keep the audience like, you know, keep us in the know because there's a lot of weird shit already happening, <laughs> and so he, he kind of brings us into all right. Here's this whole thing about some uh, strange things that are going to be happening, and we'll just you know kind of set you off on this journey and see what you think about it. We get uh, Brad and Janet. They're going off to go see their friend, Dr. Everett Scott, because uh, he's someone that I guess that's how they met in high school at his class. And so they wanted to go let him know that they're engaged, but they get a flat tire. And so they have to end up walking back to this castle that they passed. But as they do, uh, and anybody who's been into the uh, midnight showings, this is where, you know, rain and water and squirt guns and and newspapers are going on because she's wearing a newspaper overhead and they get another song, There's a Light.
brilliant. They're just they're standing out in the pissing rain, <laughs> singing about a light, and I'm like, just fucking go to the castle. <laughs> like you're getting soaked. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get these motorcycle people going past them, and a kind of little interesting bridge uh maybe not a bridge whatever john would probably know but it's like a, a part where riffraff sings from the castle kind of back out at them and it just is always a little bit strange to me how he kind of jumps in and then they then they end up coming back to uh, the to finish off the song so they get up to the castle and riffraff opens the door invites them in it's a strange place probably a hunting lodge for rich weirdos something like that i think <laughs> That, yeah, that's what they say. But it's Janet. Janet's one liner there was like one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think actually, where he's like, "You're wet," and she's like, "Yes, it's raining." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just so good. Like, and her facial expressions as well, where she's like, "You're too kind," and then she looks at Brad like, "What are you doing? We're not going in here." Ah, oh, she's so good. Brad's stubbornness, honestly, is what gets them into the situation. She was ready to go. Yep. If he, yeah, I know he wanted to get a damn a phone, goddammit, but <laughs> he he couldn't, he, he just couldn't get past it, you know, and see past his own uh, hubris to just like, all right, step away. This is obviously a not comfortable situation, <laughs> but oh well. All right, so they go in and uh, further in, they meet some party goers and we get the time warp. <laughs> It's just a jump to the left. With your hands on your hips. Now this this has to be the the most well-known song in Rocky Horror. And I love it. We get we get the criminologist jumping in with with bits of the song, helping lead about how to do the dance. I mean, it's such a quirky ass thing. You're getting all these strange people dressed up in a strange party going gear, and they're singing and doing this catchy ass song. I I love the time warp. It's so iconic, isn't it? It's like I can't think of a party that I I go to that they do not play this song at least once. It's yeah. one of those songs like the Cha Cha Slide and Five Six Seven Eight and Saturday Night. Like it's these songs that just get played every party I go to. Yeah, yeah, super enjoyable. Uh, but as uh, Brad and Janet, they're kind of now they've had about enough and they're ready to head out. But down comes Frankenfurter, who is just this super extra, this uh, sweet <laughs> transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. As Tim Curry sings that wonderful song. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Or maybe a bite. And I gotta mention, I think to me, my one of my favorite lines in the movie, the one that I end up using more than anything, is when he talks about how he sees them shiver with anticipation. Just that way he he waits. Like his inflection, Tim Curry is just the best. He's so talented, so. isn't he? He's really good at what he yes. does. John, actually, I want, I want to ask you now, John. Sure. Because you've been fairly quiet. Yes. This is a funky movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing this when I was pretty young, but I probably saw the TV cut. 
Did you show this to the kids or no? Oh, hell no. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of sex in the movie or like implied, implied sex. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't sure. <laughs> okay. Because I, I was literally, I was curious to see what were your kids' um, thoughts on Tim Curry in drag, basically. I don't know. When they get older and they watch the, sh- yeah. the movie on their own, then they can tell you. Well, all right. Maybe Uncle Adam will have to show them. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll try and wrap it up in, in, in a light that they can understand. Well, I had, a, I had a moment last night where I was like, what is the difference between drag and a transvestite? So I actually asked my friend who does drag, I was like, what is the difference between these two? Because Google was rubbish for giving me an answer. <laughs> and he was like, look, the bottom line is somebody dresses up in drag does it as a performance. It's a performance art. Somebody that mm-hmm. is a transvestite does it, that's like a lifestyle. It's, yeah. uh, it's, okay. what, it's just how they are. And I was like, right, Google could have told me that, but they didn't. <laughs> no, that, hey, that's a perfect way to put it up. I like that. Yes. Um, and you, you got a note. Tim Curry rocks. Oh, he does. He rocks that look. He does. Like, <laughs> just, I, I could never, I don't have the legs for that, but Tim Curry, done. He's got the sheer confidence for it. Like, it's, I think if you'd put anybody, and this was one thing that I learned when I did, because I did some acting in, in the youth theater when I was for like seven years of my life. And what I learned was if you put, if you put yourself in an awkward situation on stage, if you just go for it, like you really go for it, Nobody mm-hmm. will ever look at you and think you're strange because you're doing what you're meant to be doing. But if mm-hmm. you put that, if somebody puts you in a in a situation like that on stage where you're like dressed in something that you're maybe not even comfortable in, and you act awkward, you're gonna come across as like awful, like really mm-hmm. bad. And and he just went to town with that part, and I'm you know he made it iconic. He absolutely made it iconic. Yeah. I can't even oh, think yeah. of anybody else who could even do it half as good as he did. Well, we're going to have to try uh, when <laughs> it comes to casting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, this character, Frankenfurter, is, you're right, iconic, is um, cosplayed by a lot of different people, and is, has become a huge character for, I would say, the LGBT. LGBTQ community yeah. if you do, because you're right because of the confidence you know you you see Tim Curry and I don't I don't know if Tim Curry you know was part of that community at all I don't I don't think so I don't remember hearing anything about that but like but that character was so it felt right and it's just like yeah that's that's why it's such a, a strong character and Frankenfurter is very strong in his sexuality all sexuality mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and he, that is very ahead of its time it was so ahead yeah. of its time well, also, yep. and I'll throw this in, this was also, like, essentially, in Britain in the 70s, which was the height of the sort of ambiguous rock stars, like David yeah. Bowie, oh. uh, you know, his... Iggy his, Pop. Yeah, Iggy Pop. The, the the years where sort of the androgynous look was actually in. Mm-hmm. And so that, that part of it actually doesn't surprise me so much. But I, I will say the entrance of Tim Curry was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that part of the movie very much. Okay. Maybe not much more, John? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it later. All right. Um, Brad and Janet just allow the rest of the crew to uh, undress them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was so annoyed at Brad for not standing up for her there. I was like, yeah. you don't just, that's like, no, that's just, that's like bordering rape. Let's, let's yeah. not do that. Let's, let's stand up for, for each other. Yeah. Yeah. But Brad you know, whatever he allows it and they go to the lab uh, and Frankenfurter is going to unveil this new beautiful creature. He is giving life 
to Rocky and who we does this whole things. So we get these, you know, scientific -y knobs being turned and et cetera, et cetera. And then Rocky comes alive. And of course he starts singing immediately because that's what happens in a musical. Um, the sword of Damocles is flying, whatever. Not my favorite song at all, but I mean, it's, it's the sword of Damocles is hanging over my head. <sighs> And I've got the feeling someone's gonna be cutting the thread. Oh! Woe is me. My life is a misery. Oh, I can't you see that all of the sound of a pretty big downer. Nothing's bad in this movie. Um, but then they start unbandaging, unbandaging him. And I'm like, damn, that guy has got a sick body. <laughs> you cannot deny it. Um, and you know what? Overall, yeah, he's fit. He's strong. He's okay, according to Columbia, <laughs> which, which makes uh, Frankenfurter just a bit pissed. But yeah. Um, but yeah, and now Frankenfurter sings a song kind of towards him about uh, in seven days, he's going to make him a man. Give me a strong man. giving him all these gifts of uh, weights and a pommel horse and all this kind of stuff. But right as uh, kind of busting into that song and into the scene is Eddie. Eddie is one of my favorite characters in this movie, partly because I feel like I could, I want to cosplay Eddie. I know I can. I've got the build. I've got a very meatloafy build to me. And so I, and I think I could do it. I mean, I want a Rocky build, but I have a meatloaf build to me. And I feel like I can make that one work. And he sings Hot Patootie. We see him in Columbia. Obviously, they were a couple. Um, he was an, an ex-delivery boy is is what the credit is for Eddie. And he's got a big old scar on his head. And we kind of find out a little bit later that Frankenfurter took half of it or took his part of his brain and put it into Rocky. And so maybe that makes sense as to why Rocky is such a simpleton. And then Eddie is obviously missing some stuff. But uh, he got his little things going on. Eddie was one of Frankenfurter's. I guess sexual objectives at one point we'll get, we'll hear from that as well. But by the end of this song or before the end of the song, out comes Frankenfurter with a pickaxe who finishes off Eddie. That's See, a brutal scene. Like I forgot how yeah. brutal that scene was. Do you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember Oliver hmm. Twist? The scene when the, the young Ooh. girl gets beaten to death by uh, but it's like it happens that. off you see him with the bat and then you see it happen off screen but you hear the sounds that's what Ooh. happens in this scene where you can hear the pickaxe 
hitting him, mm-hmm. but you just see Columbia's reaction. And I'm like, God, that's brutal. Like, but nobody's yeah. stopping him either. Like, obviously, Columbia is maybe in love with this guy, and I'm not doubting her affection. But like, if that if that was my like significant other that I was madly in love with, and yes, he's got a pickaxe, he could probably take me out too. But I'd I'd definitely be trying to stop him. I just thought it was yep. strange how everybody just stood by and just let this happen. Frankenfurter rules with an iron fist yeah. in this <laughs> castle, like without question. But also, and they kind of address it a little bit later. He has like these seduction powers. Like there is something to him that he kind of like, you know, he can he can get anybody on his side. It's not always just charm, but there's there's something you know to him that he just people fall in love with. Maybe not fall in love, but they are. I'd say they're seduced. I don't understand how this could be your favorite character. He's literally on screen for maybe like four to five minutes. Cause I lo- it's because I like Meatloaf. I like okay. his song. Okay. I like the vibe of Meatloaf. I love, I love Eddie's vibe. He just comes out rocking. He just comes out rocking, John. Okay. And I, right. I appreciate it. Right. So, yeah, it's not, he's not on there very long. <laughs> and honestly, I think the last time I saw Oliver Twist was when I was the age of Oliver Twist. <laughs> to um, maybe not juxtapose, but I'd say to enhance the brutality that Tammy mentioned was right after he finishes killing him, basically, and everyone's still in shock, Frankenfurter just kind of goes back to singing his song about Rocky. (laughs) Here's a a little side note. This asshole rocker came in. He finished that off, and then he goes back to um, serenading his, uh, you know, In Seven Days song. So that night, Brad and Janet still haven't left. Um, I would get the fuck out of there by now. You saw someone... Kill, kill a man yep. uh, with a pickaxe. But no, stick around. You really need to use that telephone. It's that important, Brad. Uh, but anyway, they're given separate rooms. And of course, I guess, you know, from back in those days, engaged couples can't sleep together in the same room. But whatever, they are that, they're that wholesome kids. Uh, but Brad, seemingly Brad, goes into the room to uh, see Janet. And he's getting extra frisky, super frisky. And it's actually Frankenfurter. And uh, Janet, at first, not into it, but then she is for it. And just like, oh, you won't tell Brad, right? And he's like, no, of course not. I love these scenes. The scenes, I mean, other than like the um, initial pushing a little too hard at the beginning, (laughs) (laughs) they come around. And I think it's probably the seduction powers of Frankenfurter. But the way that this one parallels the Janet or the Brad scene like there's like the pink yeah. uh, kind of room and then the blue kind of room and you're getting like the same angle and just Frankenfurter dominating the two of them, if you will. And yeah, they, he ends up fucking them both basically. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. And as we kind of mentioned already bit of ahead of its time, but it's all just like, it's so wild. <laughs> seduction, such seduction abilities does not make it any less rape at all. <laughs> well, I mean, but I mean, you know, you hear them saying, you know, the, the consent is there. Yeah, the consent's there. It was the seventies. Yeah, it's when it's when he's like he gets told like about his Rocky getting loose, and then he's just like oh, coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to end so, the scene. Yeah, uh, but yes, so Riff Raff is scaring uh, simultaneously. Riff Raff scares Rocky with fire, and very much in a montage of Frankenstein's monster. Kind of thing, which I did Rocky not understand the animosity that Riff Raff had towards Rocky. My only thought is I jealousy. Thi- yeah, maybe he I wanted guess. some Frankenfurter, but I don't blame I don't blame Frankenfurter not wanting Riff Raff. It's an ugly motherfucker right there. <laughs> so, but my guess, my only thought is by this time, Riff Raff 
in particularly is just done with Frankenfurter shit. And he's like, God damn it, we've gone through this type of thing enough uh, that I'm just tired. But you're right, he does immediately dislike Rocky. Yeah, I think it's just, I wouldn't even say like he's wanting any sexual favors from Frankenfurter. I guess I took it from like, he's maybe a bit jealous of the attention Rocky's getting. Maybe. Um, yeah, that could be it. Compared to him and, and, and I'm guessing Magenta's his sister, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But there's still some sexual yeah. tension between Riff Raff and Magenta, which is, but they're aliens. <laughs> it's a different society. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, they do their own thing. <laughs> yeah, they do their own thing. So Rocky ends up getting chased by dogs at some point. I don't know where the dogs came from. I don't know where, what that scene was. But Janet is now kind of in dismay because, you know, she's all worried. Now she has been, quote unquote, spoiled uh, for Brad. And she is feeling bad about that. And she gets to the lab. But then she turns on one of the TVs and sees... <laughs> Brad having a smoke after uh, his sex session with Frankenfurter. So now she's upset with about that uh, whole post-coital, post-post-coital situation. Uh, and she finds Rocky there hiding off in the lab. Uh, we get a song about Janet. Maybe another one of uh, Stranger songs. All about her horniness. Creature of the night. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. I want to be dirty. Like, uh, <laughs> this is a... Susan Sarandon is not the best singer. I don't think many people in this really are, though. They're not, they're not in it to be the best vocalists when they're singing. It's just all fun. It is. It is all fun. Uh, but it's some strange stuff, the creature of the night, particularly her envisioning the different people on top of her and other things. But, you know, I guess her and Rocky... F- finding a bit a bit more of their own sexuality and their preferences and whatnot. But at the same time, it is, it's just kind of the, the depravity that is happening in this castle is kind of fun. I think it's what Frankenfurter is all about. He is all about just, he's about freedom. You know what, John? That's what it is. It's about American freedom. That's why, that's why this alien came to the U.S. Because it's about sexual freedom. How about that? Sure. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, Adam. I don't know. It's just weird. It's, a, it's not my favorite song on the thing. Susan Sarandon in her underwear is one of my favorite things. I'm not going to lie. She is very attractive in this movie, just to throw that out there. But I'm <laughs> not wrong. It is a strange, it's a strange scene. But it's Columbia and Magenta watching them on the cameras. There's just yes. cameras everywhere. <laughs> like, can yeah. you can you pee without somebody watching you in this place? I highly doubt it. I, yes, Probably highly not. doubt it. <laughs> They'll so. turn that into yellow showers and make a thing out of it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Riff Raff getting beaten up, whipped by Frankenfurter for letting Rocky loose. And just then, Dr. Everett Scott appears. Here we get a line, a quick line from Riff Raff where he says, uh, where Brad's there. And uh, he says, oh, it's Dr. Scott. And he's like, oh, you know this earthling? And that, I mean, you know these people are strange from the, from the first bit. But like, the words... 
Transylvania and transsexual are not regular words. Like those are legit things in the English language. And so when you hear Riff Raff mention Earthling, it's the first thing like, what? Oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So there's something there's something else behind all this weirdness through some nonsensical weird machine. uh, Frankenfurter basically magnetizes Dr. Everett Scott and brings him up through the through the stairs and busts him through the wall. And whatnot. I don't know. Strange. You, can see, you can see the string. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. It's cheesy. It doesn't make any sense. It's not particularly well done. But you know what? By this point, you got to just allow the weirdness because you've seen so much. Great Scott. That's where that comes Great. from as well, isn't it? Great Scott. Great Scott. Uh, he's looking for his nephew. So another little tie-in, his nephew is Eddie, and he thinks he got tied up with uh, Frankenfurter and this weird crew. And just then, inside uh, Rocky's kind of like, you know, birthing chamber, uh, they find Rocky and Janet, and we get all of their names around each other. And I love that little scene. Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Bad! Rock! Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Brad! Rocker! Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Brad! Rocker! Brad! Janet! Dr. Scott! <laughs> and it <just> Rocky! <laughs> it does. It's so, so good. It just keeps so I want to interject in here. So I watched this with yeah. my wife, and she was excited to see it. Um, she apparently had been to some of the midnight showings because all through this whole perf- uh, movie, she was shouting things at the TV. <laughs> nice. It made no sense. And that was one of the scenes where when uh, Tim Curry says Rocky, and then it goes to Rocky, and then Rocky doesn't say anything, apparently the thing you're supposed to yell in there is Bullwinkle. Oh. <laughs> Why? Okay. Rocky and Rocky Bullwinkle. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, it was a cartoon. Okay. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle isn't really a, a British thing, so it took me a few seconds until you said that they're Rocky uh, and Bullwinkle. <laughs> I was like, what? Bullwinkle, what? <laughs> well, that's kind of funny what, what stuff. I would assume Rocky, because Rocky and Bullwinkle are a pretty big let me, let me, pop culture characters out here. Me I mean, they might have been they might have been big in Britain in like the sixties and seventies when they were actually aired. When they were popular, yeah, yeah, yeah. They may not uh, have just had reruns there. Yeah, well, they don't they don't have moose in the UK. And maybe that was a thing. <laughs> that is true. That's probably probably. Why. I don't know that they have squirrels either. I don't know. Squirrels seem to be everywhere. But you know, <laughs> maybe it's just because I'm used to them. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the US. All right. Uh, while Tammy is looking up Bullwinkle <laughs> and Rocky, <laughs> it is dinner time. And so that is ready, and now we have this very awkward dinner, which honestly I didn't even really remember. But they might be eating Eddie because uh, they, they kind of yeah, mentioned they, they are eating Eddie, and so it's like, okay, yeah, Doctor Scott's like, oh, they're cannibals on top of that, and it's like, oh shit, I didn't realize that. Uh, and uh, wait, wait, who are cannibals? The the Transylvanians. Well, why would it be cannibals if they're not human? That's true. Yeah. But he thinks they're human at this point. But you're right; they're not. It's not cannibals, but they are eating humans. Yes. Uh, but now, like, now technically, you say Brad and Janet and uh, Doctor Scott are cannibals because they all tasted. That a is true. Eddie. Now they are cannibals. And we get a uh, probably my least favorite song in the entire movie of Doctor Scott singing about Eddie uh, and his troubled past. Everyone for a ride. He said he didn't like his head, you knew he was a no good kid. But when he threatened your life with a switchblade knife, what a guy! Makes you cry. And I did. Not a great song. But then Doctor, then Frankenfurter pulls off the tablecloth, and yes, it is dead ass Eddie, and his guts pulled out as part of the table. And obviously, it frightens the people. Janet 
instead of running into Brad's arms, who is right next to her, runs all the way around the table to Rocky's arms to protect her. And this infuriates Frankenfurter. I mean, he's got the biggest arms. <laughs> uh, without question, well, he seems to be, yeah. Why wouldn't you run to them? Yeah. So, uh, Tammy, did you uh, take a look at Rocky Bullwinkle? I did, yeah. I don't recognize it at all. I was trying to see okay. if it's ever aired in the UK, but there's nothing yeah. <laughs> coming up for it. So. <laughs> nothing. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, so Frankenfurter is super pissed. He ends up chasing her and sings, I think, another really good song. You better wise up Janet Weiss. I'll tell you once, I'll tell you twice. You better wise up Janet oh. Weiss. Your apple pie don't taste too nice. Ah. You better wise up Janet Weiss. Eventually, they kind of get back to the lab where through his fantastic technology he sticks them all to the ground eventually turn uses the medusa machine to turn them all into stone columbia at this point she's had enough we find out that she was a former lover of frankenfurter and then eddie got tired of her went to eddie got tired of him and he created rocky and he just he just his lust is insatiable and she's tired of that because she she has fallen she loves him she loved him at one point and now uh she gets turned to stone as well as does rocky Magenta and Riff Raff are tired of this shit, and they want to go back to Transylvania. Did anyone else think it was weird that the stone version of all of them were all naked? I thought I thought it was to tie into the fact that, like, throughout the whole mansion, we see these white naked statues there. So I'm wondering, is that just in oh. reference to here's all these other people that have actually been turned? Oh, and I didn't think about that. Well, I mean, my that makes sense. My confusion is why they went from clothed to naked when they were turned to stone. Yeah, all of them except the guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> no, he was yeah. he was naked too, just in the wheelchair. <laughs> but the cover, there yeah. was a cover over his lap. Yeah, there was a cover over his lap, you're right. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I think it was literally just a reason to put some naked statues in. Yeah. I, I don't know what else. <laughs> I mean, I can't fault that, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now, John... Because Frankenfurter is Frankenfurter, it's time for a floor show. And so he dresses them up basically in his similar garb and puts some makeup on them. And it's time for a song and a dance. It doesn't make any damn sense. Of course not. <laughs> uh, but they start. And then one by one, they're all kind of singing. And then he does his song, uh, Don't Dream It, Be It. Don't dream it. Be it. Don't. And here's where I kind of really see, like, they all get into the pool at one point, and they're all, like, in this very just like it's an insatiable. Yeah, it's an orgy. Exactly. But that's where I think he ultimately has these kind of, like, superpower of ultra lust, if you will, or something. You know, it, it, whatever it is, he has seduced all of them into this orgy in the pool. Um, and, you know, this whole dance number, uh, it all kind of, you know, gets wild and fun by the end until... In comes Riff Raff and Magenta in their actual, like, alien clothes, their space clothes, and they are doing a mutiny against Frankenfurter, who, you know, they're tired of all this shit. He tries to explain his actions in song, in this kind of, like, you know, sentimental, you know, sad song about, you know, why he, he does his stuff, and 
Riff Raff doesn't have any of that shit, and he kills him. <laughs> yeah. He's just done. And then he kills Columbia, and he kills Rocky after having to shoot Rocky multiple times because his ultra muscles uh, kind of help protect him, I guess, a little bit. It doesn't matter, but he ends up dying, too. Uh, Riff Raff and Magenta let Brad and Janet and Dr. Scott leave because the castle is going to be beamed back to their planet of Transylvania. Or, sorry, their planet of transsexual in the galaxy of Transylvania. And then we get uh, one last time warp, and they exit. And uh, then we kind of finish off with a scene of the criminologist to end everything, and we get our credits. By the way, the criminologist originally was going to be Vincent Price. Oh, that would have been very cool, too. Now, I like the guy that they had, but I think that a tie-in, because obviously this movie is a kind of parody of those kind of like older, quirky sci-fi and horror movies kind of mm-hmm. from back in the day. For Vincent Price would have would have made some sense. Well, apparently he saw the musical on the West End and loved it and was going to be in it, but they couldn't make the schedule work. Okay. Well, I've been I, working on other things. Yeah, still like the dude. All right, I'm going to start off with Tammy. I don't know when was the last time you saw Rocky Horror, but you know, what are your thoughts of rewatching it now? You know, how did it make you feel? What are your thoughts on all the different songs and some of the, some of the biggest takeaways that you have for rewatching Rocky Horror Picture Show? So when I first, I remember the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, God, this was long and boring, obviously, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. This time watching it, it's not as long as I remember it being. It was actually a lot shorter than I remember it being. So it didn't feel as dragged out. Um, but I noticed now that obviously because I'm older, I was picking up a lot more of the subtle references that maybe like, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I did write one of them down. So one of them is the fact that Frankenfurter wears a pearl necklace. Which is a reference to the uh, the sexual act of yeah. a pearl necklace, <laughs> yes. um, but like all these things that you just wouldn't think about when you were when I was younger. Like now that I'm 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 starting to understand. But yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was good. It's quirky. The CGI is terrible, but the acting is, for most part, brilliant. Like it's meant to be over the top and ridiculous, and they all do a fantastic job of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Because I, I, people know what I'm going to say. And so the only <laughs> chance of something different is for John. So I'm going to save John for the end on this one. And I'm going to go on. It's a ridiculous film. It makes absolutely no sense. But I am on this ride for every fucking second. I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. I will probably forever love Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's it's a pop culture iconic film for a reason, in my opinion, because it's just that quirky. And I appreciate all of that. So I'll continue to watch it pretty much every single year because um, I just get, you get, you get it's a movie that, that gets under your skin. Like Frankenfurter has seduced me to where I have to watch this movie. Like, you know, <laughs> I get an itch where I need my fix. Frankenfurter is my fix. So, John, you once called this movie the most overrated film of all time after watching it again. You said you enjoyed the entrance of Frankenfurter and you've been fairly quiet since. But... <laughs> Has this recent viewing changed your thoughts? And ultimately, you know, how did you feel about Rocky Horror Picture Show now? Is it really the most overrated movie ever? Yes, I still think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is not good at all. I did not enjoy most of this film. I'm familiar with the time warp, so seeing that little part towards the beginning was kind of fun. Actually, I was surprised to see it so early in the movie. Yes, Tim Curry is great. After his entrance was incredible, and then after that, I kind of was like annoyed with his character. So yeah, I didn't really enjoy it all that much. All right. Well, 
Yes, in this episode of All Things John Hates, we started off strong. <laughs> We've not convinced him much. <laughs> not convinced him much, but maybe we'll try with Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z, its original run, ran from 1989 to 1996, 291 episodes. Uh, the anime was produced by Toei Animation, who also did Sailor Moon, Digimon, Transformers, a bunch of different stuff. Um, and then in 1996, Funimation Productions licensed Dragon Ball Z, uh, where they started doing some stuff for the U.S. at least. Now, I am kind of curious... What are the differences for what I watched and from what maybe Tammy watched? Uh, because there were there were a couple different production companies that had different voices, and so it, depending on what channel I watched Dragon Ball Z, it might be the Ocean dub, um, where some voices were th- one way, and then it might be the other dub that or probably voices I were more used to. Um, but what did you or did you watch the Japanese version? Because some people go ape shit over like the original voice actors. So uh, I, it came through for me on it was either Cartoon Network or Toonami. It was something like that that yeah. it came through to me on. And I was very young because when it aired in the UK, it aired slightly after America. So it aired in the UK. First episode started going up. I think it was late 1990s or early 2000s was here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I missed the first season. Like I didn't join in in the first season and obviously back then you didn't have the chat you didn't have the internet you could jump on and go oh I'll catch up you know what I mean so yeah. I think I joined it part way through sort of like the Frieza saga happening okay so I think that's season two and season three or some somewhere sometime around there um but I remember recently wanting to go back and rewatch it and I all I could find was this version with the shittiest music and terrible Gohan voice and I couldn't uh. for the life of me work out what it was until I started actually researching into why mm. that was. And it's because, obviously, the, the version I was watching was the Americanized um, version, uh, the Faulkner version, uh, the Faulkner soundtrack mm. version. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I'm, that was the one that I watched and grew up with. Okay. Yeah, which I believe is the same. The Cartoon Network Toonami version was the one that I remember most and probably watched most. Um, so, I mean, I, was, which came about when I was in like middle school. So 96 is when I guess it started in the U S and I was in middle school at that time. And that was like a perfect thing because I mean, this, this show for anyone who may not know is just action anime. Like that is 100%. Here are some out of this world fight stuff, some weird characters. Uh, I'll go into a little, I'm not actually going to go into much of the voice cast because there are a bunch of different versions. Do I talk about the Japanese originals? Do I talk about this one particular English dub or this other English dub or are these other dubs? So just to go through a brief things of the characters, our main, main character in Dragon Ball and pretty much the entire Dragon Ball series, which encapsulates Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Super, which GT has kind of been plucked out of canon um, because Super kind of came in and was just like, nobody liked GT. Um, I don't know if you watched that at all I, when you were I younger. I did, yeah. I, I, I didn't hate it. I really loved the SSG4 transformation. I thought that that was better than the SSG3, personally. Yeah. Well, the three, yeah. Three had, like, the big brow and, like, the long hair. Just kind it of... Was Sonic. Almost, it was Sonic. It was Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it, <laughs> yes, it was. It was Sonic. <laughs> yep. Uh, then they kind of ended up pulling that out, and, and now they have the... Uh, the Super Saiyan blue and uh, red and and let's and, uh, all hold hands and become a god. That's when it lost. <laughs> it lost me there. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. Nah. So 
I never, I, I've watched maybe a small handful of the episodes of Dragon Ball, the original. I hated it because it was too childish for me. Um, Dragon Ball Z fit perfect for me because it was in that action, very strong action. And I haven't actually seen, I saw, I saw most of GT. I've seen every episode of Z multiple times. And then I haven't actually touched Super. Um, but it's, my thoughts, you know, are, I mean, it, it seems interesting. I bet the animation is solid. I, it seems like they got most all the, the voice cast back for all that. But yeah, it's not one that I've dived into. I, I was, I was not a fan. I, the thing is, is that I was such like a hardcore Dragon Ball Z stan growing up. Like mm. I was writing fan fiction for it and everything when I was like 15, 16, I was like a total fangirl for Dragon Ball Z. And and then when I heard, obviously, like, I used to role play it on forums and everything, and then it tapered off, as it does. And then when I heard that Dragon Ball was coming back, and it was going to be, mm-hmm. like, done, and I was so excited. And so when the movie dropped, which, oh, I can't even remember the name of the movie, but it's the one where they yeah. all hold hands and one of them becomes a god. I, I think it's Battle of the Gods. That was a Dragon Ball Z, but maybe I think that was the one. Yeah, yeah. I was, at that point, I was like, this is ridiculous i was like give me my four hours of somebody screaming i need my four hours of somebody screaming and then repeated and repeated again that is what i expect it's fucking hold hand shite (laughs) i was so upset i was i can't even begin to tell you how raging i was and then they introduced these two god characters i just didn't i didn't like I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, Beerus, Beerus the cat, yeah. and uh, Wiz. I think that kind of the the angel. Um, they had a whole kind of all these different kind of universes with these different kind of cat gods and all this, all these massive god stuff. And then um, interesting characters, but I I never really dived into it. So the main, so Dragon Ball Z. You already kind of mentioned the Frieza saga. You brought that up. There were five, I think, main sagas are really, really only like made four ones. So there was the Saiyan saga, which is really what kicked off Dragon Ball Z. And that is when, uh, well, we'll go through. Well, well fuck it. I guess I, let's go <laughs> I keep going, we keep going on different tangents. Let's, let's start off. I'm going to start off by talking the different characters. Then I'll talk the sagas. So the main character is Goku. Yes. Goku is uh, a Saiyan who ends up coming to Earth very very Superman-esque, um, except, you know, his is meant to, he was meant to take over the planet, but he didn't because he got adopted and, you know, he became a wonderful guy who eats a fuck ton of food. And, and there's so many like weird cheesy things, you know, like all the food that the Saiyans eat, mm-hmm. but I guess it makes sense. Their physiology, they need to ha- pack a bunch of calories. Anyway, Piccolo is a badass Namek. He's Namekian. Um, he came from Kami, who split off, you know, I he's mentioned good in his people, bad parts. He's good it? in his bad side. So yeah. his bad one was King Piccolo, who had then kind of split again to have his had his son, who became Piccolo, who was a rival for uh, Goku, but then ended up, become, ended up becoming his friend and you know um, partner, basically, or in, a part of the the Z Fighters that they were called. Uh, Vegeta, Vegeta is one of the main villains in the Saiyan saga, but then he again, kind of similar to Piccolo, becomes a after the Frieza saga, he kind of gets stuck with them and becomes friend, marries Bulma, uh, can I father just, of Trump. Can I insert my favorite bit of Vegeta? Thing? Please. Like, so the, the English dub that I grew up watching, the voice actor for Vegeta, he is also the voice actor for Chris from Yuri on Ice. And for anybody that uh, has seen Yuri on Ice, the lines that this guy has to say, like... I, I don't know how, how like how, how what's the age rating of this podcast? Oh, like, uh, can I we, say something? Whatever the fuck you want it to be. <laughs> okay, so he basically has these whole montages where he's talking about wanting to come on the ice, 
like just uh-huh. out, outright ejaculate <laughs> and it makes the noises and stuff too and it's just the thought of like Vegeta's voice actor this really angry <laughs> guy like this is what he's now playing and it's such a range awesome. it's, it made me laugh when I found out Vegeta became a fan favorite so I think good. because of his anger and just his gruffness he was very much into he that. He had one of the best uh, arcs, didn't he? It wasn't because you, you get it a lot in a lot of shonen where the good guy is just a good guy, and that's all they can be is just a good guy, and that's you know they've got no flaws. And then, but for a character like Vegeta, where you get to see that arc, and same with Piccolo as well, you get to see that arc of them yeah. becoming warmer. I guess is is the way. It's nice. Yes, absolutely. I kind of want to throw. I don't know. Were you a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan at all? Not. I did watch bits okay. and pieces, but not not really. Okay. There was a, a, a in the earlier seasons. There was a villain called Spike, um, who it's very exact same kind that of her boyfriend. Story arc. Yeah, the, he she kind of he kind of came back. Well, that's Angel. Oh. Angel wasn't really much of a villain. He was kind of always a, a good guy, but then he got magically turned into a bad guy and then came back. So basically, Buffy had sex with him that made him <laughs> made him evil. That was, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk Buffy. Uh, but Spy, the Spike character was a very similar to Piccolo, which actually that same actor, James Marsden, played uh, Piccolo. In not Marsden. Masterson? Yeah, like, yeah. Not Mar- no. James Marsden is uh, well, Cyclops. Cyclops. But there's it's something like that. It's like it's a like Marsters or something like that. Marsters or whatever. He played Piccolo in the Dragon Ball Evolution movie. What movie? The, mo- Dra- the movie that doesn't <laughs> the movie that doesn't exist because it's so bad. What movie? Did you see? You saw that? Yeah. What movie? No. No. <laughs> Ex- oh no, my God, it, John. It's bad. It's trash. It's, it's, it is. It is. It's as bad as the Avatar: The Last Airbender, like live yeah. action movie. It is. Awful. So we don't talk about it. It doesn't exist. It was never made. <laughs> it's so, so bad. Um, all right. I want to finish off talking about these characters. Krillin is the character who seemed to die at all times. <laughs> Krillin, like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, Krillin dying is an essential part of Dragon yeah, Ball. Yeah, agreed. I remember when you see Frieza just sticking his horns and just tossing him around. <laughs> just like fucking Krillin. But Krillin is Goku's best friend, who ultimately Krillin is probably the most powerful human mm-hmm. on Earth. Yeah. He becomes that, but he's still... That ain't shit compared to Saiyans or, you know, Piccolo or anything else. Uh, Trunks and Goten. uh, Well, Trunks is the son of Vegeta and Bulma. Bulma, who was in Dragon Ball as well as uh, in the earlier stuff. So she was one of like the main, she was like the main female character. I would say almost like a, you know, know, she she watched over them. She was fun. She was side, you know, ridiculous, very smart. She would create a lot of kind of things for him as well. Um, but also very animated and very, um, you know. Female anime she, character, yeah. Yeah, female, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Goten is uh, the second son of Goku and Chi-Chi. And then some other side characters. Master Roshi, who was the horniest horn dog in <laughs> anime. Um, and then also Yamcha, who was uh, another kind of side character. Tien and Chaozu as well. They're all kind of like fellow Z fighters who would kind of help out fight when they needed it to. The only reason I know that Master Roshi comes from Dragon Ball Z is because I see him cosplayed at every single con I go to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these characters are well-loved. You know, I mean, this is a well-loved franchise. So, the different sagas. I kind of brought up the Saiyan saga, which starts off when Goku's brother Raditz comes to Earth to try and, like, basically check on him and 
head off to continue what they're supposed to do. Um, but Raditz ends up getting killed ultimately by Goku and Piccolo. Um, and so then in come the other two Saiyans, Nappa and Vegeta, which we already kind of mentioned. Vegeta has his arc. And this was, a, I mean, these were great sagas. Um, for me, my my favorite saga is the Frieza saga. It lasted forever. It was a really long one. Like the fights for, I mean, screaming for four straight episodes. That's exactly <laughs> what was happening in some of these Frieza saga ones. But you get like the Ginyu force. You really get Vegeta's start to change into kind of, because he's kind of helping Gohan and, uh, um, and Krillin when they're out on Namek. And you're really world building a lot more. Like you kind of find out what's out about uh, Goku and the whole Saiyans and all this stuff with the Saiyan saga. But the Frieza saga is really where things get ridiculous. Uh, then they have a little saga called the Garlic Junior Saga, which was kind of more so done in like a, one of the movies that they had. Um, but ultimately, the Android slash Cell Saga is next, which is a really good one too. I I'm definitely a fan of the Cell Saga. Uh, and then the Majin Buu Saga, which by the end of the Buu Saga, I was pretty much ready to be mostly done. Yeah. It just got a little bit more ridiculous because it is this this show is cut paste repeat as it as it comes to powerful being comes to earth goku must fight it goku loses must must power up to the next saiyan form and then beats the thing and then a bigger bad comes and then he has to power up beat the thing etc 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 you know i'm kind of curious tammy what is your favorite of the sagas is there is there are there specific characters that you attach yourself oh to? yeah absolutely i had the i had first of all i had I started by having like the biggest crush ever on like Gohan and Trunks. They were like, but like Gohan when he's uh, fighting Cell. Uh, because yeah, back yeah. when I was watching that, I wasn't far off his age because I remember thinking that he was about, I remember thinking he was 15, but he was actually 11. But anime characters look totally different. But I think I yeah. was about 13, 14 or something. Well, right I remember when time. we were talking when we were talking Bleach, we were like, oh, these are high school kids. They look like they're fucking 40, but they're supposed to be <laughs> It's schoolers. ridiculous, isn't it? Um, but yep. yeah, so I, I, I did Future Trunks in particular was like a huge, huge thing for me. Yeah. Um, but that, I would say from like, from the moment Goku turned Super Saiyan 1 when he's fighting Frieza, from that point all the way through to the end of the Cell Game saga, a little bit into the mm-hmm. tournament-y stuff. Like I didn't, I wasn't very appreciative of Gohan going to school and all of that kind of stuff. I wasn't a big fan of that. But And Saiyaman. Uh, you didn't love his character of Saiyaman, no. the great Saiyaman. But Sayaman. I really liked Videl as a character. Like, I love the fact that the daughter yeah. of the most powerful guy, you know what I mean? But she was actually a total badass as a, for a human. Yes. And then, of course, she gets taught how to fly and everything. And mm-hmm. I really liked her as a character. I thought she was great. And then the, the tournament where you find out about, like, the Kai's. And like yeah. I really like that, and then it was yep. yeah the Grand Kai's, the Supreme Kai's, all that. Right up until Majin Buu is released, then it lost me. But like yeah. all the way, all the way through, that was my jam. The future t- trunks and the 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 android and into the cell games is my favorite. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I still can kind of like go and picture. When Gohan, he's like half beaten up. He's only got one arm oh, left, so and he good. fucking gives it his all to wipe off every cell of cell to finally beat him it's, like that was an intense moment it's when he transforms like it still gives me like yeah. it still raises the hairs on my arm like like obviously this this cell guy is like try to push him to get him to release his form that everybody knows that he's got inside him but he's too nice mm-hmm. he doesn't want to to hurt anybody and then of course the cell just like stomps on the android's head that was trying to help him and he's like yeah another fighter you yeah. could have saved and then gohan just it's it's the probably the best 
I think. And this is why Dragon Ball Z is known as the grandfather of shonen anime. This is where all the other big, like your big three, your Naruto, your One Piece and your Bleach, your big three that came after it. This is where they all drew inspiration was, was like these defining moments of Dragon Ball Z. And one of them for, for a lot of people was that moment that Goku, uh, Gohan just slips, like mm-hmm. just goes. And you're right, because we saw Gohan be peak badass one of the best moments in the entire series and then they kind of transfer more into time and you want to see gohan continue being the badass and he goes to school and he just he has that sandman thing and he becomes less badass and they ultimately really crush that character who there was there was another movie though there was another movie where they gave him the badassery and uh bojack unbound Uh, that was it one one of my favorite dragon ball z movies is bojack unbound and it's where they're doing like a another type of fighting tournament um and Uh gohan's 15 in that movie so he's a little bit older and he he goes to and then of course like it ends up being like all these other fighters getting changed out and all the z fighters start getting their asses kicked by these like aliens and gohan's got to fight them all and he's like at one point he just forgets kind of who he is and then he's like his dad comes to him in spirit form and then we get to see that badassery happen all over again it's so good but yeah yeah Yeah, they do they squash his character and i hated it i hated it (laughs) and then how does he get more powerful later well an old man just sits and points his fingers at him it fucking drives me nuts (laughs) like where did the screaming go guys give me the fucking screaming yeah, <laughs> so annoyed. What were your thoughts on like uh, later on? Yes, with the Boo Saga, the magic-y kind of stuff, um, and then the fusion when they have to do like the uh, cheesy fusion <laughs> dance. So and the I have fun memories of the fusion dance, right? But not for Dragon okay. Ball Z purposes. There was uh, back in the days, and people maybe have heard of this phrase before. Have you heard of the phrase AMV? I have not. Okay, so animated music video or anime music video, they get interchangeably called both. But this was very early days on on the internet and into YouTube. It was very, as soon as YouTube started in 2005, these became massive. And it was basically where people would take a show or a movie or whatever and they would chop it up to music. So your most common thing for Dragon Ball Z would be for people to take Dragon Ball Z and put it to Linkin Park in the end okay. that kind of, you know what I mean and you would have and it was really cool and I yeah. remember watching a bunch of these on YouTube thinking these were amazing but there was one of them that stood out to me and I wish I could remember the person's name that done it but it is still there's a copy of it that somebody's re-uploaded to YouTube and it is um, Dragon Ball Z to Discotheque People which is a song that you will never hear except in this AMV and it is them talking about like it's it's a song where you're like dance to the left, dance to the right, and it constantly gives you these dance steps, oh. and it's them doing the fusion dance. But it was so well edited, and it was that that effectively got me into editing videos, which led onto my YouTube channel. So it was all because of that one video. So I do have fond memories of the fusion dance, but not because it was good in the show, just because of that AMV. Yep, and I mean, and it was ultimately just another one of those find a new way to level up yes. you know the fusion dance and then also they, they had the earrings and whatever that, that would confusion whatnot um yeah so you mentioned bojack unbound besides that there was a lot of other little like movies that they had in here dead zone World's strongest tree of might lord slug cooler's revenge return of cooler super android 13 broly the legendary super saiyan bojack unbound broly second coming bro bio broly fusion Reborn, Wrath of the Dragon, Battle of the Gods, and Resurrection F are all Dragon Ball Z movies. Wrath of the Dragon was my other favorite. It was the 13th movie, I'm sure it was. And that was the one with Tapion. 
I really like that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, Tape on that. Yeah, that, and, I know exactly. And how Trunks got his sword. That was like because it was one thing that they never explained was where did he get the sword and why is the sword way more powerful than a normal sword should probably be. Um, but yes. yes, I like that. When Trunks first came on. I'm trying to explain to John, who does, who has no interest. I can see him looking around. <laughs> he doesn't, I don't think he hasn't said an entire word. So right after the Frieza saga, they get back, basically, and Frieza eventually comes back as like a Mecha Frieza kind of thing where they kind of bits and pieces put back together, and you see his dad, King Cold, and... Frieza's like ready to like wreak havoc and then in pops future trunks with this badass sword and just cuts him to pieces. Literally. Like cuts him to sh- like just and what is probably one of the coolest like if you're going to watch a section of it you have to watch the trunks versus Frieza because he like he like blasts him with a, an energy ray and then Frieza jumps into the air and then he just slices down but what you you, you get Frieza's like stunned shock and then you get mm-hmm. us seeing trunks through Frieza's eyes as it like the whole screen shifts yeah. <laughs> and it's a line down the screen and it's just like the two mm-hmm. halves and then he just splits in two and it's like it's the most yeah. graphic thing i think i'd ever seen in my childhood and i was like this is amazing <laughs> so it good. is and it, it was such a strange feeling because we had gone through everything that goku had to to just beat frieza one time and then all of a sudden oh yeah he's killed very quickly from super trunks or trunks who is another super saiyan came out of nowhere basically and what was what was the famous um what was the famous uh what was it called god everybody used to replicate them but they'd done like spoofs they'd done voiceovers of Dragon ball z what were they called this was uh, like, like- huge like bad lip reading stuff or something, something else? similar to that but it was um it's an actual like and then everybody tried to recreate what these guys were doing but let me see like i need to find okay. this out now well tammy's gonna hunt that john we have not heard from you one bit i just want to know how were you first introduced to dragon ball what abridged. do you remember about sorry the show? abridged that was a oh, dragon abridged ball abridged. yes yes okay yeah i've definitely definitely heard those definitely seen those all right john when you were younger, how did you come about? How did you hear of Dragon Ball, if if at all? Uh, I remember Dragon Ball uh, being on the television as you watched it, and I walked through the living room to get to another room. <laughs> <laughs> that so is I, my experience with Dragon Ball. Okay, all right. Now I liked it. I even had like a Super Saiyan Goku at some point toy. Yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this show. What else? What else about? Oh, I can't. I, can't, I gotta mention. Just some of the memes that have come out from the show. You've kind of talking about the massive yelling. I feel like Krillin dying. Obviously, Over 9,000. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? It's over 9,000! What, 9,000? Over 9,000, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's like the biggest one. Yeah. So, But this show, I mean, I know a lot of people that... And I feel like uh, maybe John's too cool. John might have been in like the super, super cool crowd. He wasn't, but maybe he feels like he was. But I felt like Dragon Ball was one of those animes that a lot of, it either got a lot of people into anime or at the worst, like people saw Dragon Ball. Like they know this is one thing that I felt like tied a lot of people in my high school together. Like these, there were some jocks, these nerds, all this other stuff, people. We all appreciated Dragon Ball. To me, it was like that in Halo. When th- those were kind of out around like ish the same time. Wow, you're lucky because we didn't have. I did not have that at all over here. I felt like I was watching it completely by myself. 
Oh yeah, we had. I felt like we had. I had a lot of um, friends who, like we, kind of would we could bond over that, and like you could talk to other people who liked it because I mean it was just, and obviously not just for guys, but like it's a very actiony punch kick, very kind of you know brutal show with a lot of stuff that you just you kind of gravitated it gravitated towards a lot of that action, and it just it was super cool. I think maybe if I'd spent more time trying to hang out with guys, I bet yeah, a lot of the guys in my high school maybe. probably used to watch it, but because I hung about with a lot of girls, and it's not exactly a show that, not to be stereotypical, but it's not a show that maybe most girls would have put on. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Gender is a social construct in my eyes, so I never really used to care. I yeah. was like, fuck it, I'll play Sonic the Hedgehog, I'll watch Dragon Ball Z, I don't care. Like, so, uh, yeah. but yeah, oh, I, no. I loved that show. But I didn't actually know that it was an anime. I had no idea what an anime was until I was like an adult, until I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. did I actually learn what anime was. And I think that comes from the fact that they hid it very well and with American TV shows that I just thought it was all the same kind. It was all coming from the same place. No, I, I think you're yeah dead on because it just started I mean, being played. It was on, I think, the CW or, or WB at one point. It was on Fox Kids at some point. It was on... Uh, Toonami is where it kind of got really big people watching that or on Cartoon Network so it's like yeah it was integrated with a lot of other Americanized or westernized uh, shows that it just felt like hey it's just it's it's different it's cool Tammy if you had all seven Dragon Balls oh. what would you wish for? <gasps> you can't just drop a question like that on me <laughs> man what would I wish for? God I don't know I think I, I would uh, this is sound terrible but like Thanos wasn't far off when he was talking about like <laughs> wanting to you know like get the population control under under light I, I think i would look for a way of helping to reset the earth's population without it being like murdering people so i wouldn't do it his way i would do like a maybe if we sterilize like some people in the popular like you can only have a maximum of one child because like that is you're, scary you're brutal that is sca- yeah. like have you seen how much it's increased in like the last 30 years it's terrifying that's why covid spread so quickly so i think yeah, that would the, be the, yeah. that would be my my wish would be can we do it in a humane way <laughs> to just make sure that it starts decreasing now rather than get your parents spayed and neutered <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> shut you- no i mean I, I i'm with you on uh Human population has gotten ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we've we've grown we've grown exponentially where uh, other beings and have see not. If we, but see if we were looking after each other. Fine, you know what I mean. Like see if see if kids weren't being abandoned. I'd be like, cool, that's I totally that's fine. But there's they're not, and it's it's some people are living horrible lives. So that's my that's what I would go. I think there's a lot of people that that uh, are kind of with Thanos, yes. and so I think, I think <laughs> there, there. What you would go. your wish be, Adam? Uh, uh, I know what John's wish is because it's it's. Omnipotence. Omnipotence. Is, yes, you, of course. You, you want you want the power of the dragon, basically. Oh, sure. Um, which I which is what one other person I'm pretty sure does in the show. I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah, something that can ultimately. Yeah, I'd like to get just some of this shit. Like, finish off some of the this just stupid stuff that we're fighting over. Like, I want to. You know, if I can get universal health care for the entire fucking world and that people and then include mental health 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 care include um, health care <laughs> yeah de- get, let's get everything let's get vision dental <laughs> yeah. health care and even elective surgery <laughs> for everyone in the fucking world and it not be a problem yes. okay yeah. let if people need to if people needed to have you know like gastric bypass or if they needed to you know what i really you know need a breast reduction or a breast enhancement 
Fucking who cares? Yeah. Just get all medical stuff handled for get everybody. And I think boom. I think that's that's, we can, if we, bro, that's such an American yeah. answer. It's clear you guys need that. Like you're craving that. <laughs> I think you get you yeah. get your three wishes, don't you? I think another one would probably be that everybody in the world can read and understand every other language because I think that would unite us a lot mm. more if you could understand everybody yeah, else true i wouldn't want to get rid of the other no, languages no, no, but no, having no, like but a like universal everybody could exactly. understand and write and read yeah, every language from the minute they're born yeah. i would like that yeah uh, very cool all right um anything else from dragon ball i mean i know we kind of we kind of blew a little bit through it but i mean there's a lot it's impossible to get through yeah. so much of dragon ball other kind of favorite stuff i'm trying to remember i mean I loved, yeah, Goku and all of his transformations. He was he was ridiculous. You know, he was not a character that you could kind of really relate to because he was so honestly one-dimensional. He was very, I'm the good guy. I love being super good. And I think this is where a lot of the shonen that followed replicated that formula because Goku was such a lovable character. And yeah, he's quite 2D, yeah. but like everybody tried to then replicate that. So you get things like, and, and I know I'm probably going to get a bit of hate for this, but like you no, get things fine. like Naruto where you've got that main character who's just really good. And then you get things like One Piece and and then you go, uh, what's the other one, yeah. the most recent one? My Hero Academia. Faultless main uh -huh. character just constantly good and I think that was why I was drawn out of all of them I'm more drawn to Bleach because Ichigo isn't mm. especially when you read yeah. the manga he's a little bit more dark he's got his tendencies like there's nice. where Goku would forgive someday Ichigo would actually want to torture them and has done no. bits of it in the manga but they censored it for the anime so um yeah you're it's making a lot of sense, your whole Thanos mentality. Yes. It's, it's really all coming together. <laughs> like, I, I just I like characters with a bit more depth. But yeah, I think Goku yeah. was the original, oh, yeah. and that was fine for him. But it's just annoyed me yeah. now that every shonen since seems to be trying to replicate him in some way. And I'm like, do your own thing. Like, come up with something more unique, please, for the love of God. Yes, absolutely. Anything else on Dragon Ball before we kind of go into our final thoughts? The, the, the soundtracks... I know that that's a huge thing. Like, I think if I had grown up with the yeah. Japanese soundtrack, I would have preferred that. But I grew mm. up, of course, with the um, with the Faulkner soundtrack, and that is just outstanding. Some of the pieces in that were amazing. So, actually, one thing I did kind of forget to mention is when it was dubbed, uh, they the theme song that they had was uh, really guitar heavy, and it's kind of called "Rock the Dragon." Dragon, dragon, rock the dragon, dragon ball Z. It's so good. It is ridiculous, but I, uh, you know, it always kind of gets me pumped up and into the show. So let's start off with John. Now, I, I doubt you showed it to your son, but I wish you did. But maybe it's something that I can show to him later and see if you know you can get episodes of screaming in your house and then you would walk out of that room and hate it because I introduced your son, <laughs> your son to Dragon Ball Z. But did you show it? To your to your kids at all, and um, what ultimately were your thoughts on revisiting, or maybe for you mostly visiting Dragon Ball? Okay, so I have to clarify a couple things. Uh, so my son is away on a camping trip, so he he okay. wasn't home to see any of this stuff. And also, 
Um, my weekend ended up being a little bit busier than I thought, so I only got through one episode. And finding it was tough. I actually found it eventually a free episode on Funimation on their mm-hmm. website, and so that's where I, I watched. I actually watched the first episode. Okay. I got through most of it, and it was it was just a time thing. It wasn't a lack of yeah. interest thing. That being said, I had no interest in it. I zoned out that entire conversation y'all just had. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what you said. I've never, I've so wanted to try and get into watching anime, and I've never, ever, ever been able to find one that actually hooks me. With a possible you've exception, just, even you've th- not found the right one for yourself yet. That's what it's because that's yeah. like like seeing anime is like seeing TV series. It's, yeah. There's so many different kinds and so many different genres, and in fact, there's more anime out there than there are Western TV series. I believe it, uh, with the possible exception of if you can call it anime, um, although I think it's American. Uh, Avatar: The Last Ender, Airbender. I yeah, did like that. I loved. I loved that series, but that's about as close to anime as I've got. There was one anime that I did watch called Rasafon that I got into a little bit, but that's it. Which is weird because that one has mechs, and I'm not a big fan of mechs. But that one's all about music, so I just nerded out on all the music shit in there. Um, overall, I I, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. You should maybe. Uh, I don't know. Like, did you like Game of Thrones? I enjoyed Game of Thrones up until the end. Okay, okay. Because I'm thinking it, it might be a bit too. It's very good though. Like, it's very good. It's Attack on Titan. That seems to be the gateway anime for a lot of people uh, that a lot of people talk about. Okay, I have heard of that. Yes, that is one, and it just every season that goes by, it's getting better and better and better. I like the most recent one that came out was phenomenal. So. I'm willing to give it a try. You should give that one a try. That's my okay. recommendation. Okay. Only because only because you asked me to, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> give yeah. it a good few episodes. Give it a good few episodes. Uh, okay. If I asked him, he wouldn't do it. No, but you're right. He respects you far more than his own brother. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll go in, and then we can have uh, Tammy give our last words and our last overall thoughts on Dragon Ball. Or Dragon Ball Z specifically. Yeah, this is a show that um, I'll always kind of hold in my nostalgia. Like, I like this franchise. Like, it's kind of like wrestling, you know, to me, to an extent, John. Like, I liked wrestling when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't watch wrestling now, but I still, like, will follow it. And it's like, I will still, like, watch pop open a YouTube video about, like, updating me on either Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super or, like, even the manga, the manga, um, or other stuff. Like, I have... Uh, I just recently bought the Dragon Ball Z video game Kakarot because it's an open world where you're basically you're playing all the sagas and I'm like that's perfect I love that shit that's what I want to do so you're playing as characters throughout the saga of Dragon Ball the different sagas of Dragon Ball Z and I'm excited to start playing that game because this is a franchise that I will probably love forever and you know it's probably not one I'm going to just continue watching but like it's one that I really enjoyed my time with it and I love the screaming I love the fighting some of the some of the fights are just so artistically interestingly done that you don't get in Western uh, cartoons. And so it's just like, man, when you, when you throw up like a big old spirit bomb or an awesome Kamehameha um, or the destructo disc or something, man, it's just, it makes me, if it, it, it's cool, it's so fucking cool. Yeah. So yeah. So forever, forever, I will enjoy Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. I, I'm exactly the same. Um, it's, it's cemented its place in my heart and, and has resulted in me eventually finding my way to lots of other anime, like Bleach, like Attack on Titan. Um, but yeah, I think 
it, it was a huge part of my childhood and I'm so thankful that I had it and yeah it was just it's so good I, I wish I'd had more people to geek out with it about when I was younger mm-hmm. but I didn't so I went through a lot of it by myself and, but that was how I made some internet friends so very thankful for it for that purpose as well and that was Dragon Ball Z This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Dragon Ball Z! Earth faces a massive new Majin menace. Volatile Vegeta's under the evil Majin spell. Can noble Goku and loyal Gohan stop a powerful old friend and terrible new foe? Is it a job for Super Saiyan Gohan cloaked as the Great Saiyan Man? Wait, strongman Popovich comes to challenge him! The saga continues. New specially marked Dragon Ball Z figures now with exclusive collectible game cards each sold separately. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to jump to the left and recast Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, we are going to do most of the big characters, Frankenfurter, Janet, Brad, Riff Raff, Magenta, Columbia, Rocky, and for some reason, Eddie, even though he's only in there for about five minutes. Because I, I love Eddie. I put him in there. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of surprised you didn't put the narrator on there, but that's okay. I should have, and probably even Dr. Uh, um, Scott. Scott. Yes, thank you, Everett Scott. Great, Scott. Uh, all right, so we're going to do those characters in that order. I Well, sorry, in that reverse order. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in with my Eddie. Um, now, I did try to take this casting seriously. I didn't just throw in names just to throw in names. I was like, okay. all right, if I'm going to recast this, I'm going to I'm going to seriously look for actors who I think kind of fit this. Eddie was the one who I had the hardest time with because Meatloaf is Meatloaf. You, you, there's no other person kind of like him. You know, I I I was like, do I want to find a singer? Meatloaf is one of those people who. Yes, he has a music career, but he also has an acting career, and it's not like I see him as a musician who turned to acting. I think he's always been both. Mm. So, because I mean, he, I think he was in the original uh, musical, the, the original West End version. I think, oh. mm. but uh, I had a hard time finding anyone else who kind of fit that thing. So I went with another person who was kind of an actor who. Later had a singing career. Uh, I went with Jack Black. Oh, that's a good one. I saw a lot of people kind of posting or, or kind of doing some of my research. I I would have really liked it probably twenty years ago. Okay. I don't. I just. I think he is. He is, a he little is older too now. Old now. Yeah. Okay. I think he has the right personality and the fit. It's just. It just. It came a little bit too late for me for him. Okay. I will. I will. Because yeah. even it. like you look at like his even like a school of rock, like he looks almost exactly like Eddie, just missing <laughs> half yeah. of his brain um, and the leather jacket. So I'll give you that. Uh, all right, Adam. I wanted like a big guy because, like I said, I relate to Eddie, <laughs> but I didn't end up doing that. I dove into what is essentially the most important part of Eddie, and it's that Eddie rocks. And so I needed a rocker, uh, and I picked somebody who I've seen in actually some movies with Jack Black because they are good buddies. And he is today's preeminent rock god, and I kind of feel Meatloaf is a bit of a rock god. I ended up going with Dave Grohl, so kind of a different look, but I just I respect his rockiness so hard that I was like, I'm just going to go that route. 
I'm not surprised. It's an interesting pick. I don't know how much yeah. acting. Yeah, I mean, it's a short part, and mostly all he, all he does yeah. is sing for most of the time. So. Yeah, <laughs> true. And ride a motorcycle in a circle. I love Dave Grohl, so I, I won't fault you on that at all. Okay. But I would like to preface this by saying that my list is ridiculous. Um, I picked my list mostly based off of actors and actresses that I would love to see playing these parts because of how ridiculous the parts are, rather than people that I thought would genuinely be good at it. (laughs) Um, But I'd like to see them try. Uh, So for Eddie, I looked up a bunch of different actors and I was like, none of these are fitting for me. So I was like, I really want, I want a rocker. Like I want somebody that rocks. So he's never done a lick of acting. I would love to see him try though. I went with Benjamin Burnley from Breaking Benjamin. Okay. Okay. I'm familiar with the band. I couldn't even tell you what any one of those singles are, though, unfortunately. <laughs> Diary of Jane is uh, one of their most pop, one of the most famous, I think. Diary of Jane, okay. but um, uh, so cold is my favorite song from. Yeah, you're so cold. Keep your, Keep your hand hands in mine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. What I can't <laughs> So but, good. Yeah, I like Breaking Benjamin. I ultimately just because of his rocking stuff, it's kind of hard to. I have not seen him act at all. I've at least seen. David I think Roll he'd be Titan, terrible. But... He'd probably be terrible at it. But you know what? I fucking want to see <laughs> it. Okay. I want to see it. <laughs> done. Done. Then I'm not going to talk shit on it. There you go. John picked the best actor uh, without question of the group. So just the wrong age. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would agree. I would like Jack Black. All uh, right. Well, let's go to Rocky. Adam, since yeah. since since you're a fan of uh, the male figure. Uh, I am. I am. So I love bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is a sport that I highly uh, respect the time and effort that they put into it. I like lifting weights. I just also like food. And so (laughs) (laughs) the the bodybuilding people know how to limit their food. I just don't know it. But I do. I respect the uh, I respect all forms, if you will. All right. So why don't you start us off with your Rocky? So one thing I was really trying to not fix in this one, but I was trying to inject some diversity. <laughs> it's a, an extremely white cast, as in there is no other color at all in the entire movie. And so I wanted to make sure there were different races, different types of people being represented. And so I started looking around, and I ended up going to finding a site on the best bodies of Bollywood. <laughs> and I found this dude. I'm like, you are a very handsome looking dude with some really good features. So uh, so I ended up picking him as my Rocky. His name is Vidyut Jamwal. That's V-I-D-Y-U-T and then J-A-M-W-A-L. And you'll see some shirtless shots of him and you'll be like, that's a good body. And so he, and it, you that's don't. That's a good body. And so he's at least done some Bollywood acting. I did not look up too much of his credits because it didn't matter. Yeah. The body mattered to me. The acting didn't really matter to me. So I don't know how great of an actor he is. Maybe he's awesome, but the body is there. And so that was important. Uh, I need to correct something, Adam. There was a black actor in this movie. Uh, he was in the time warp. Oh, <laughs> one of the background dancers. Dancing. And that's yeah. how I was able to pick him out because I'm pretty sure he was the only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if that's all you're concerned about, then absolutely. I mean, jeez. That's like, <laughs> Good that's like not fair. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, let's go to Tammy. So I originally had Chris Evans down for this, but didn't want to turn the whole cast into USA because a lot <laughs> of the originals were, were British, um, mm-hmm. UK mm-hmm. type actors. So I was like, right, okay, I won't, I won't go with Chris Evans, regardless of how much I would love to see that. So I went with Tom Hardy instead. Okay. Okay. I mean, Tom Hardy is, he's wasted in that role, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> but... 
you'll see you'll see him I've seen him in like the warrior or other stuff like that and he can he when the guy it's when it's devoted time to get fit that guy can can look really and good and he's got the the outward build because I think if you're a guy yeah and this is where shit isn't it but if you're a guy and you're stick thin it's very hard for you to bulk out you get like you can mm-hmm. you can tone yourself up but there's very like you're never going to be Chris Evans so like mm-hmm. you need a guy that's already mass out the way to get that kind of muscle that Rocky has. And I think yeah. Tom Hardy's got the build to be able to do that. Fair. Uh, well, I also went with an actor who's known for his body, and maybe he's also wasted on this role, but maybe <laughs> he can just maybe he can just bring a little bit more to it. But I've used him before, and it's, he's one of those actors who I hated when I was younger, and I kind of respect him a little bit more now. I went with Zac Efron. Ah. Yeah. He is a good-looking guy with a very well-toned body, and I can kind of see if someone a lot of I know a, I know a lot of females um, and some gay males who, when they picture their most idealistic figure and even like face, Zac Efron is kind of their guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably a you know if someone's creating someone um, for that purpose, I think that kind of fits. Yeah. Okay. You could see him getting created. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, well, let's go to Columbia, and uh, Tammy, I'm going to have you start us off here. So Columbia is actually my favorite character from Rocky Horror. I really like Columbia as a character, Um, and for that reason, (laughs) because I want to see her try and tap dance, because I think she would just bring an energy about the character that would be hilarious to watch on screen, I went with Anna Kendrick. Okay. Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> I think it would it's be making hilarious. making me laugh thinking about it, which means I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm cool with that. I like Anna Kendrick. I bet, She's adorable. I bet she'd be down for it, too. She, she seems would. like the type of person who who yeah. liked Rocky Horror when she was younger. Yeah, I mean, she's she's done multiple musical stuff as yeah. well, so I think she would fit in with the Pitch Perfect movie. So yeah, I think that's cool. Uh, I went with an, actually an older actor, or actress, I should say. I went with an older actress. Um, and this really, honestly, this whole thing stemmed from the from the fact that I saw a picture of her with hair similar to Columbia's, mm-hmm. and I was like, she's a good actor, I'm just going to throw her in here. Um, she is a little bit older, but as Adam and I have mentioned before, in a lot of cases, age doesn't matter anymore, because they can make a lot of yeah. people look younger, just even through makeup. And actually, most older actors now look like they're a lot younger. Uh, I went with Tony Collette. Oh, Okay. Okay, I'm going to give an okay on that one. Okay, I'll take I'll take an okay. Not not digging it, but not going to shit on Tony. Collette. I know her mostly as a as a mother, like she asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, I know her mostly from a uh, Six Sense. She played the mother in Six Sense, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Columbia was also one of my favorites. I mean, I think she's she's very attractive female, but also. I don't know. She was there was a quirkiness to her that I liked, and so I went with an actress that I know John and I are fans of. Um, I cast her before, but I get kind of some of those Columbia vibes from her and just from her look. Maybe it's maybe it's some face shape, or I'm not sure. Phenomenal actress on the show Doom Patrol, and again trying to get some diversity in there. I think she would do fantastic. I went with Diane Guerrero as my Columbia. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I like that. Cool, cool. We've seen her kind of do kind of crazy stuff she was a side she was kind of like a side comedic character on orange is the new black uh she was good as that and so i think that kind of fits with columbia but then seeing some of the depth that she can do as an actress in doom patrol means like well one i can put her in anything yep she, she's my call okay uh magenta i'm gonna start us off this one actually i thought of someone um and she is a little bit older but she's 
just as kooky and I think would work really well. I'm not going to put too much spin on the front. I just think she's a pretty good actress. And um, I actually kind of wish I got to see more of her crazy side uh, in WandaVision. I went with Katherine Hahn. Okay. I she I like that call a lot, yeah. actually. Okay. I really like that call. Cool. Well, at least I get one. <laughs> no, I mean, you'll probably do more than yeah, that. Yeah, you got Eddie as well. Eddie was good. Jack Black. Yeah, you're... I, he was he's, he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, John. I thought it was oh, there. Very you good. go. You got, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, okay, uh, Adam. I don't think mine actually is as good of a. Um, it's definitely not as good of an actress as Catherine Hahn, and so I think Catherine Hahn has. I think she fits more with like the current Magenta. Um, I kind of was trying to force in some more diversity that I really want to see in an updated Rocky Horror. This actress. She does a lot of comical stuff, and actually, I really didn't care for her in the last movie that I saw her in. But she has been in a whole bunch of stuff, and she's a very funny person. I think you gotta have to have to have a sense of humor to be a part of Rocky Horror in general, um, at least nowadays. She was a the uh, best friend in the movie Shang Chi, which was fine. She was actually my least favorite part of that movie. But she has done a lot of stuff. She's actually has done some rapping and does some like I think she can pretty sure she can sing as well. And so I think she's quirky enough to fit into this movie. I went with Aquafina as my magenta. I like that. I okay. like her in that. Yeah. She is she is quirky enough, I think, that she would fit really well in it. Yeah, yeah. And she even kind of has like a I remember in Shang Chi she has a little bit more of like a gruffer voice that I think kinda kinda of even fits with. As magenta, soon as she so. came on that cinema screen, I knew that she was a dragon from uh, Ryan the Last Dragon. I was like as soon as she oh, I was like, Oh yeah. yeah, that's her like straight away the voice. <laughs> My uh magenta so I want <laughs> I went with somebody that I just want to see work alongside Anna Kendrick in my head as Columbia because obviously Magenta and Columbia have some of those scenes together where they're watching the cameras and things. And mm-hmm. I just want somebody mm-hmm. two people that would bounce really well together. But I also again was trying to bring it back to British actors and actresses. And I know that she's done some really quirky stuff before before she became a really big name um i went with emily blunt i could see that yeah she okay is. yeah she has she's done some kind of quirky stuff i like emily blunt yeah she's good she, i think she's got the right personality for it she's she's yeah. insane see even when you see it in interviews her and anna kendrick yeah. like i feel like they'd be best friends <laughs> okay yeah. well then very cool I like actually that. they i think they well, i don't know if they're best friends but did you do you guys have uh the show uh um lip sync battle over there We've seen it televised, yeah. Were they on it together? No, but Anna Kendrick was on with her husband, and in one of the one of the songs she did, she had a T-shirt made with Emily Blunt's face on it. That sounds like something they would do. Yep, yep, I love it. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I like that pairing of yeah. Anna Kendrick and and uh, I almost said Emma Watson, Emily Blunt. <laughs> Emily Blunt. Plus, the two of them can sing. Like Emily Blunt is also a, yeah. a fantastic singer as well. Uh, all right, riffraff. Adam, I am interested to hear what your riffraff is. All right, so I am going, trying to debate if I want to flip-flop my answer right now, but I don't think so. I'm going to stick stick with who I've got. I've seen him do some kind of quirky stuff before, but I think he's a really strong up-and-coming actor that we've got. He's kind of like kind of, kind of got a gangly-ish look to him that I think would fit well as riffraff. Uh, he's been in uh, Knives Out, Get Out, Selma, uh, a lot of stuff, but he, I think, is one of our more versatile actors kind of coming up now. He's been in that show Atlanta with um, Donald Glover as well. His name is Lakeith Stanfield. All right, can you spell that for me? 
L.A. and then Keith, LaKeith, Stanfield. Okay. I am not at all familiar with him uh, right oh, off my Oh, yeah. Head. I know him. Okay. Yeah. He's getting he's getting bigger and bigger with stuff, and I think um, – I don't know his, his quirk level, but I know his acting chops are there, and so that's why I'd like to see it happen. Okay. I, I got to give you an okay just because I'm not I, – I, uh, I, Fair. I don't remember him from Knives Out, but I only saw it once, so – Okay. Yeah, he was short. He was he was one of the like detectives. Oh, um, he okay. Was, he was okay. ve- Lieutenant Elliot. Yeah, he was very short. He wasn't in there all that much. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to Tammy for her riffraff. <laughs> so originally I wanted to cast somebody, but he's just far too old for the part now. So I, I changed my answer. Um, but I was thinking of riffraff has got this like stare, this deadlock, just stare that he does, and and who I think would would be able to pull that off whilst having a, a face structurally. That would fit the part. Um, so I ended up going with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Uh, it's a big, big the, name for Rip <laughs> Rap, but the, the guy can do most anything. Yeah. So. I don't hate it. I mean, I like... I like. Uh, I was originally like wanting to do Hugh Laurie, but he's far too old for the part now. He, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with yeah. that. Uh, I went with somebody who is known for being weird. And I don't particularly care for him as an actor too much, but... I feel like he would actually do pretty well in this. I went with Jared Leto. Yeah, he likes the interesting stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I'm cool. I'm cool with okay. that. <laughs> I'll I'll take your mild I, apathy. No, 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 no. It's, he would he would. I like him. I like him better than better. Kind of Cumberbatch. I'm sorry, Terry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's fine. I'm picking my favorite yeah. actors here that I want to see play That's these fine. parts. I'm not doing it to be serious. <laughs> That's fine. I want to throw. I'm gonna throw out one more. If you're okay with this, John. Uh, the guy I was debating, and actually maybe I do want him more, uh, Caleb Landry Jones. If you've ever seen him, he was actually also in Get Out, and that kind of made me think of him. He's done some of like, these more like kind of more sinister, kind of weird ass characters. Uh, I think, I think he would might be a, maybe a little bit better, but I don't know if you guys have seen his stuff. Oh before. yeah, 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 I know him. He's got a okay. interesting face. Picture of him. Oh, he was Banshee in First Class. Okay, that's where I recognize. Yeah, him. I mean way back, way back. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, moving on. Brad, big Brad. Uh, I don't even know whose turn it is to go first. Yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and jump in with my Brad. Uh, this is where I did a little bit of a change. Um, I I kind of wanted to put this guy in, just I didn't know where, and I ended up settling on Brad. He's known. I don't know. Actually, I don't really know how good he is as a singer. I think he's a pretty good singer. I know he's a very good rapper. Uh, I put uh, David Diggs as my Brad. Oh, interesting. I mean, uh, I, me, like most people, know him as uh, Lafayette and and uh, Thomas Jefferson from the Hamilton mm-hmm. musical. Yeah. I like him a lot. I I like that call. I think it's interesting. I'd like to see that happen. See that happen. Okay. So I'm cool. Very cool with that. Uh, Tammy, we'll go to you. In in a bit to continue with the British. Theme that I had continued that I started. <laughs> um, I went with Nicholas Holt for this. Oh, oh Nicholas yeah. Holt. Yeah, that's I, a good call. It's a very good. I think that's like fits really well with like the Barry Bostwick yeah. style. He has that nerd feel to him, kind of like how Brad did to me, or like that you know stick up the butt, but just kind of whatever. No, no. I mean, Nick, Nicholas Holt doesn't. <laughs> but I think he can. He, can, he, he could yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. You so. could do that. Yep. Where are we? Adam? Yeah. Me, yeah. My Brad. Um, so yeah. Again, trying to do some diversity on stuff and. This guy is, 
He's a solid actor, I think. Um, in a franchise that I don't love all that much, I liked him. I wouldn't say I liked his character, but I liked him, and I'd like to see him in some more stuff. And I think I get some, I get some nerdy vibes from this actor. I don't know how nerdy he is, but I feel like in real life he probably is a bit of a nerd, and I respect that. I went with John Boyega as my Brad. I can see that too. Okay. I can see that too. He, he I get some like kind of wholesome-ish vibes from him. Maybe it's from kind of how innocent he kind of was in the Star Wars stuff, but, you know, he's also a UK person. Tammy, if that yeah. helps you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Damn it, Janet. Adam? I love you. Let's go with you. I'm going with an actress. I, 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 I'm kind of... I will be mostly honest. Besides, like, say, Frankenfurter and maybe, like one or two of the others like may or maybe Eddie just because he, he was a rocker I I would probably really love no names in this mm-hmm. casting I didn't go pick no names because they're no names and so how would I know who they are <laughs> um I think I mean if I really really wanted Rocky Horror Picture Show to be remade it would be find find people that I don't know yet right. as opposed to people so I kind of went looking through and actually one of the names I had for Janet was Anna Kendrick at first <laughs> but then I was like no I'm going to find someone else. And so I ended up kind of looking at it, but she's got to be able to sing a little bit better than Susan Sarandon. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, so I went to kind of looking through the pitch perfect cast and I ended up landing on uh, a person named Kelly Jackal, uh, who is going to be my Janet. She's been in all of the pitch perfect movies. Um, just kind of like a, I think she's been in 42. She's been in plenty of a couple different things, but I know she can sing from those movies. And I think, um, Maybe she can give me kind of like that wholesome hometown feel vibes. Uh, she is a generic-looking blonde white girl, so I will give that to you. Okay. <laughs> I did go with a big name who I know can sing. has been a lot of musicals. She's a little, a little bit older, but I, that part didn't bother me at all. Uh, I went with Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I actually I like that. That, that fits that really well. That does fit really well. So not, you know, not, it's not a surprising pick. It's not an overwhelming pick. It's a, it's, it's a good pick. It's a good yeah, safe pick. Definitely a good pick. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Tammy, right? Yeah. I went with, um, so I, cause my favorite thing about Janet's character is her facial expressions. <laughs> um, you know, just that the way she looks with her eyes and the, the things that she does. So I wanted somebody that I know could pull that off, who can sing. And also would probably work really well with Nicholas Hult, who'd picked for Brad, and and have that quirky personality. I think that that would be needed to take on a movie that's not meant to be serious and not meant to take itself so seriously. I went with the Zendaya for this. I can see that okay. too. I can totally yeah. see them doing that. Absolutely, can see that. Like and, that. She's good. Good actress. She can absolutely yeah. sing. Good actress. Good singer. Funny yeah. as well. She's, Very she's, funny. <laughs> yeah, she's a good. She's a good call. Uh, all right, the big one. Mr. Frank N. Furter. How do you how do you recast this man? I know. I how mean, do you? It's you, how? you you can't. You just got to do the best you can. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll we'll let uh, Tammy have the last word on oh, this. So okay. I will. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, I kind of knew who I wanted to pick, and this is mostly because I know he's a big uh, musical fan. He's a big Broadway actor, in addition to um, being a big uh, TV actor and film actor. Um, and he's good at characters, so I could totally see him doing something like this. I went with Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, I I can see that. I could um, I could totally see that. He 
it's tough for me to envision it because when I think of him, I think of, you know, Dr. Horrible or I'll think Doogie Howser right. or I'll think uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother. Right. And it's like, okay, none of them have this kind of level of, of quirkiness. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris is a strong actor. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I like I, I like that. I don't love it, but I okay, like it. Okay, I'll take it. All right, yep. Adam. I'm not sure I love my pick. I would have gone with Sasha Baron Cohen 20 years ago, and even maybe today he is still a good call, but he's he's getting up there. I ended up going with a singer more than an actor. I don't know how this guy acts, but I think he he has the vibe. I saw him live because he's been singing with Queen for the last multiple years. Mm. I think he has got all of the energy that I would need in a Frankenfurter, I went with Adam Lambert. I don't hate that. I don't okay. hate that. He's He's got the theatrics. Um, he's got a good yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't hate it. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's, cool. it's impossible to, it's, it's like trying to recast <laughs> anything with Robin Williams in it. You just can't do it. Yeah. So trying to recast Tim Curry in anything is, is going to be tough as it is, but. <laughs> Actually, I just saw in the, uh, 2016 redo he played kenny or Ke- eddie not oh kenny. really he played uh eddie he played the rocker eddie oh. in that one you know like i think it was like a stage redo or something like that that's funny yeah directed by kenny ortega okay that's too funny all right tammy uh, take us home so i was torn between like an actor and and somebody that i think is part of the community and would represent the lgbt plus community well Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that side won out because I was, I was, I was torn. I was thinking of something like Remy Malik, who played mm-hmm. um, Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. I think he could, he could evolve himself into that role quite well. But ultimately, I ended up going with RuPaul <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think RuPaul would kill it. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least, at least the the physicality of it and and all that. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen him do too much acting outside yeah. of like his talk shows and stuff like that. But I exactly. mean, this is an I think a, an iconic enough role that he would take it seriously enough to put in the effort, training if oh, he yeah, did yeah. anything. Like, so I don't I don't hate that at all. I don't think I don't think that's any better or worse of a pick than any of the, our other ones. Personally. Okay. I'm sure Adam will have stronger opinions. <laughs> I was like, I think I did a little bit better, but I like RuPaul. Absolutely. But it's, yeah, it's, I mean, kind of, I can't talk too much about acting chops because I have no idea how Adam Lambert can talk <laughs> yeah. and how, how Adam Lambert can act. I was actually just looking through because seeing Adam Lambert in that one, they put um, Laverne Cox as Frankenfurter in okay. the last one. And Laverne Cox was uh, in Orange is the New yeah. Black. Um, yeah. And is trans. And I think that actually kind of makes a lot of sense too. Um, but I think RuPaul is more iconic than Frankenfurter as you know, as if part of the LGBTQ community, and I do think that is very fitting, you know, kind of melding yeah. those two kind of pe- those people together. So I I, I don't want to shit on it because RuPaul's fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right, uh, before we go, Tammy, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, and also. Thank you so much for being on our, our our little small little podcast over here on the yes. wrong, wrong small, side of the. I pond. bet you it's not. You guys have done so well with us. Oh, I appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you. You're you're fantastic. You bring a lot of energy and knowledge, and you actually like some of the stuff that I like that John doesn't. So we could we could we could do episodes like this. You know what is you know uh, this is this is fantastic, and then hopefully John, maybe you're gonna really like Attack on Titan, or if we. Uh, dive into another anime that we're going to have to be your you're the blast from past anime correspondent tammy from we scottish lass i love it so where can um, where can they find you on the internet yeah so we scottish lass pretty much if you just google we scottish lass you'll find me across multiple platforms um i know that we've spoken a little bit about anime and things today as well i also this will take this opportunity to plug that we have i run a bleach podcast now as well i think i'd spoken Woo. about starting it up when i was last yeah. on with you guys and it has been running for over a year now um so we are re-watching all of bleach and and like getting ready for the the anime coming back because the anime is ultimately returning for anybody that is a Bleach fan. And you can find us... There was like... Wasn't there like 200-something episodes of Bleach? Like you guys have a lot... 366. However, however, we are not touching the non-canon. So that already drops like 150 episodes off our our radar. But yeah, you're right. Like 200-odd episodes of Bleach we're going through. Um, But yeah, you can find that podcast by searching for The Serite. Uh, or just typing in a Bleach podcast into any of your iTunes, Spotify, that kind of thing, and we'll, we'll come up. And that's me. Perfect. All right, and that was our recasting of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and I get together to review the Rob Zombie album, Hellbilly Deluxe, which drops on Halloween. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get